Hey, hey, welcome to the National Pastime Dynasty Podcast. My name is Huck Breeze, and I'm filling in for our commissioner today, Max Breeze, who has explosive nasty diarrhea, and he's going to be bedridden until our draft on Saturday, mm. which is awful, and we feel bad for him. A little shout-out. But I'm joined here by Trevor yeah. Peterson and Mr. Runner-Up, Brad Gerke. How are you all doing this evening? Oh, wonderful. Doing very good. Happy to be here. Draft week. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited for the, the weekend. I took off uh, kind of a half day Thursday and a, a full Friday. So you're going to go excited. golfing by yourself, huh? I'm going to go off with my mom and my mom's oh. boyfriend. I was about oh, okay. to say, I'll hop in there. I know. <laughs> I was really worried that you were going to do a solo 18. No, uh, I, I might. I might do a solo 18 after I golf with them. It's a real so. mental game. You know, I don't know. That's like. That's like three days of darkness right there. No, could, it'll be good. I could think of worse ways to spend your time than going do a solo 18. Uh, but, I, you know, you see people do it. Whenever I go out on the uh, Frisbee golf course, I see, like, a guy out there just playing, and I'm like, all right, good for you, man. Yeah, and they're 70. I, I no, used to play solo yeah. rounds of golf, but, like, most of the time you get paired up with somebody when you go. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, but then that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's like going to a movie by yourself. I, and then I, some they make they make somebody sit next to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good time. All right, let's dive into some baseball. So this is the week of the draft. Um, we have a lot of stuff to go over. First, what we're going to do here because we haven't we haven't talked at all since the keepers came out. So it's been about a few weeks. We've all got uh, a collective idea of who's going to be in the draft pool. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do the best keeper teams because we're not going to go over the best keepers because there's so many good keepers out there. So many people have uh, really good value and, and, and some really good spots. So we can't just keep saying year after year, Altuve in the 15th and so-and-so in the 17th and Mike Trout. You know, we get it. But who has the best keeper teams? Trevor, can you give me your top three? Um, yeah, John... Um, myself and Brad. So uh, two, two on the on the podcast. Is that allowed? Yeah, no, that's allowed. I mean, we can agree. That's that is totally allowed. Um, I wait. Who you said? You said John, you... myself, and Brad. Hey, that's what I said. I think oh. we're in agreement. Oh yeah, I didn't even see that you put that on the outline. I looked after. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, yeah, John, that's exactly what I put. And then I, I mean, see that you put Chris and I put Chris and parentheses uh, as like a fourth, like honorable mention. Yeah, um, he would be a fourth. And the reason, the only reason, like that, I did that was because John still has glass now in the twenty first, which isn't like terrible value, but we might not see a lot of glass now this season. Um, he waited. It, it's kind of like you know, poetic, right? He waited and waited and waited and waited. And then uh, he finally got his keepers in and then um, he's out six to eight weeks with a oblique strain. And we talked about it prior that glass now was very susceptible to injury. And I don't know if that would be good value. You never know what you're going to get out of him. And then boom, out six to eight weeks. So you probably won't see him to the summer, but, uh, but yeah, in order, I've got Brad is number one. So Good job, Brad. Year after year, you have great keepers. Seems like 
a lot of these people who had really, really badass keepers like almost a decade ago, Tony, uh, Chuck's team when it prior to his ownership, um, they just had monster keepers. They kept them for so long and they just kind of died off. People like Rendon and Chris Sale, who were really good value. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez, if you remember back in the day, all these people who had good value for Tony's team got old. Clayton Kershaw in the second round, you know, that was great. Now it's like, uh, I don't even know if he belongs in the third. Um, your team keeps on going. Okay. Paul Goldschmidt, you drafted over a decade ago, still great value in the fifth. Bryce Harper in the seventh, even though he's going to miss a couple months. I hope you know yeah, that. Um, still good value in the seventh. Um, you know, you reloaded with Austin Riley and, and, uh, and Corbin Carroll, God, Corbin Carroll is like the most coveted uh, rookie coming into this draft class, and you just snagged him a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I got Brad, and then I've got Trevor, and then I've got John. So, I can um, I can throw uh, just for content or different, you know, conversation's sake. Um, Andrew's team to me has really good keepers. I know there's, you know, like I I don't think he made some of the best trades. Um, but when you take that out of like the conversation, you just look at like Freeman, Simeon, Machado, Yelich, Riley Green, Acuna, and uh, Alec Manoa. I mean, that's that's a that's a solid eight to start off with, um, and Stevenson. Um, so, like I said, yeah, maybe you could you could you could argue, you know, like you do that the Simeon and Stevenson trade was, um, you know, more in your favor, but to go into uh, the season with those eight is, is still probably one of the top, I, I think top four keeper with, teams as with well. his team. I just, I, I Alec Manoa is good. Okay. Very and I'm good. not going to say great. I, I, I think he's like anywhere from 20 to 25. Um, and overall rank is for, for pitchers, maybe 20 to 30. And you got him in the third round. I so I think he's, he's not bad. That. I think he's a top, 15 top 10 maybe so what is your consensus like where do you go for your rankings because i use a couple different ones yeah um, i mean fan graphs ranks but that's more stats than anything but they have a ranking system on there and then uh the athletic but i hate i don't, I don't like uh i don't hate him but i don't like jake seeley's rankings per se that are on the athletic but um so I, I, I make my own based off of like Eno's stuff plus report, pitching plus report, mm-hmm. and then the fan graphs, um, several different models. I really like the bat. Um, and the guy that runs the bat, Derek Cardi, he does a ton of like cool um, integrations into his, um, what do you call them? Rankings. Projections, projections mm-hmm. and stuff. So I, like I said, a combo of both, but um, yeah. Yeah. I, I go, uh, with a couple different ones, but the first one I always bring up is fantasy pros. And I know I probably shouldn't, um, go with that. I know it's not very reliable, but I do use fantasy pros. I don't go off of anybody else's rankings with any of my, you know, how I look at people, but because well, our the league only is reason so why unique, I bring up the only reason why I bring up, Eno stuff is because he's like using actual data that the like MLB is paying him for now at some like they're they're taking his studies off of the stuff plus and location plus and like integrate a lot of teams are using it to mm-hmm. base talent off of and 
you know, evaluate trades. And so I think if it's, you know, and some teams, you know, prefer it or like the twins have been noted that they prefer instead of stuff plus number, like how much the ball is moving inches and stuff like that, or release point that they prefer um, how well a pitcher hides the ball and like mm -hmm. trickiness in, inside. So that's why some of their pitchers always do well, but they don't pop like in the pitching ninja type of, you know, yeah. like Joe Ryan's not somebody that, you know, but ground he ball has pitcher. A way, well, and, he, and he just has a way of hiding the ball very right. well. And so there's different teams that you just kind of, I would, I like, you know, the old Astros and Rays thing. Like I give them almost a little bump in rankings because they're on yep. that team, you know? Mm -hmm. and, um, I think that like actual data is used that way as well. Like Brandon yeah. Trom was a, one of the greatest pitching coaches of all time with the Astros. And now he's with the Diamondbacks and you're like, okay, there's something there. Is that why you, you really got into Zach Gallon? Is that, is that your, your excuse yeah. for going after Zach Gallon? Yeah, yeah um, I think he's really good. <laughs> no, I mean, Alec Manoa, okay, so uh, Fancy Pros has 19 overall, 8 as their best, 26 as their worst. It's good. It's To me, it's not great. Uh, the rest of these guys are fine keepers. I really don't like at all Royce Lewis. I think that Brad Royce said, Lewis – anybody yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Royce Lewis is a is was like the Minnesota Twins top prospect for I mean God, it feels like three or four years now it tore his uh, ACL twice yeah he's torn his ACL twice um and he's he's come up to play shortstop uh he looked like maybe a job opening might be open might be open for him once he became healthy Carlos Correa in the circle of life that he did over the summer or I'm sorry over the winter it came back and uh, it's, it seems like he might share some time between third base and shortstop. You know, Jose Miranda might go some, I, I'm just saying Royce Lewis, it doesn't have a clear path to the majors at the moment with Polanco and Correa and all everything going he's on. He's still in a right. And then well, he's Royce, a, I mean, yes. he's not on a team. He's not, yeah, he's on Andrew's team. He's, he's an on a Andrew's guy. Team. Yeah. He's, oh, he's, he's in a, still in yeah. a, so yeah, I mean, and I don't know what round it is. And maybe you could argue it's that 21. Oh, well then, yeah, I mean, it's free and he but still might be a better player than anybody you draft in the 21st round. So. We've talked about this. No, 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 no. We've talked about this just because it's a late, like the later rounds should have, I mean, Brad has Corbin Carroll back there. Like, you know, I know, but that's what but, but Roy, Royce Lewis was that Corbin Carroll at one point and just tore his ACL twice. He could I still, could, I mean, somebody should have gave up on him because I think he hasn't sure. hit the free agent market. Like, it's he's been I think uh, Ethan had him in that spot for so long, and then got him to take him, and then Andrew's like, eh, yeah, I'll hold on to him. I'm not. It's not terrible. I I think Andrew's team is fine. I don't I don't think there. I think this year, there's not a lot of teams that are just like, ooh, this is awful. Like this is really bad. Um, so I think that overall, the pool of talent that we've put together is a lot better than it has been in the other years. Um, but that brings me to the next point here. Worst keepers, top three. I never gave you my best keepers. Yeah, oh, well, who do you, Brad. Who, Brad, who's your best keepers? I'm sorry. So teams, I had best a lot keeper of time teams. To study. teams. I know I had a lot of time to say because I read that wrong and I actually wrote that <laughs> people. So, ah. um, so I had to flip it, but there's I just so my, many. Yeah, I yeah. put myself as number one. Um, 
obviously. I really think I am the best. That's why I'm always first or second place. Um, and then I put uh, actually Trevor as number two because I had Judge. Uh, he was one of my top three people that, you know, yeah. whenever I did it the wrong way, because um, he had him in the 21st. And then he has Luis mm-hmm. Robert in the 20th, which I liked a lot. You know, Huck, I like your team, but all of your keepers are at the front of the pack. I don't, mm-hmm. I feel like if we're voting just on keepers, I like people that are more spread out or, you know, more backloaded. So I actually put um, Adam as my third, just based off of how he like backloaded all these keepers at the end. And he's got a bunch of young keepers. You know, the first so, thing I showed you today, because this is seems like this today was the first time you had seen this keeper sheet. Mm-hmm, Am I correct was. on that? And the yeah. for, what's the first comment you made? You Darvish in the third. You go, ooh, you Darvish. <laughs> Besides you Darvish, I like his. You Darvish. His, I don't know, like what? What's your what's your thing with you Darvish? I just really think good, it's a bad. It's really good uh, pitcher. Yeah. If you if you go to the free agent pool of starting pitchers, you Darvish probably would go around that spot, if not before. Probably. He's, I would say before. One of the best that would be available. I would say he would be the second or third pitcher taken off the board if he wasn't. I think, I think this is his year where he's never really bad slump. Sorry, Adam. Yeah, I mean, he's had I mean, he's really old. bad slumps before. Yeah, so. he's known to deal ups and downsies. Yeah. But. Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll give up a bomb here. But the good there. thing about you is like you just you just get innings. Like he just is yeah. always throwing it. Even when he's hurt, it still throws like you 180 innings. Like I yeah. it's just so to have that guy in your team where you can like maybe you can take Chris Sale or you know, whatever, because you have somebody that's just gonna eat innings and pitch, like for a good team too. Like mm-hmm. even though wins is the stupidest category in fancy baseball, but it's, it's a category. It's still a category, and yeah, um yeah. So and and he's not like a terrible whip pitcher, you know. He's not gonna beat you up on anything. So I, I agree, he's not like the the old you. But having a guy that's gonna just eat a bunch of innings on your team allows you to do other things in the draft. Uh, I guess so I just I mean, think third third round. Is yeah, I agree so with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so moving on to first or, or worst keepers. Brad got in his best keepers. I think there's a lot of agreement here on who has the best and a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, I think Trevor is up there and that says a lot about his team because he hasn't been somebody that we've talked about in years past. Um, it says a lot about what he's done in the off season and what he did last year to prepare for a new year, adding uh, Edmund and Gallon and, and Muncie and Wander Franco and, Damn, Aaron Judge, you know, I'm not going to go off on another rant about this, but you got Aaron Judge. I mean, that's a big deal. Um, and getting Luis Robert from from uh, Chris, you know, you've you've set up just so you could be prepared for a new year and and you did it and you're, we're here. So um, Brad's usually up there and John's usually up there as well. Uh, with Mookie and and Trout and you know Rushman and and you know he's trade for he's had Trey Turner forever, and, you know it's hard to beat that. Um, so so yeah. Trevor, I think did I did I make a bet with somebody that you were going to win the championship in a certain amount of years? It wasn't. I don't think it was a bet. It was just on the podcast last year with Max, 
y'all y'all were handing out um what was the phrase of the podcast you were guys were trying to be endearing to people who were awful and there was (laughs) there was a term that max coined um but in that you yeah you said i was gonna win in the in the next three years i think I mean, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. His team. I mean, you were pretty bad last year. I mean, you were. <laughs> yeah, it was real bad. But I still like. I still had some of these players, and I mean, like yeah. Bichette was was you weird. Can't go and... from being awful to having Kyle Tucker judge. I've had Wanda Kyle Franco. Tucker since his inception. I know, but that's um, what I'm and saying. And then I traded Bo Bichette for Wander Franco, so you could say that's kind of like a wash. Um, uh, I don't think it's a wash. I think well, I'm just saying a lot of people a lot of people would take Bichette over Wander, but Ooh, not me, boy. I mean uh, anyways, you know, <laughs> Bichette's not a terrible player. And he was in the sixteenth round. No, a lot of people would um, be right. I mean, as far yeah, as like, no, what not I me, just though. yeah, had a bad year. It just happens. But I wasn't like Eloy got hurt again, you know, but it wasn't like my team was just bad. But yes, I do have a lot of new players. I got I got some new folks. And, and Edmund in the third was actually my pick, I think, from two years ago, but yeah. um, I traded him last year. So, all right, let's do worst keepers. Trevor, who's your top three worst? Um, top three worst. I don't know that I'm going to say these in order because uh, I might stumble upon a different one. Um, damn, I just lost the page. I do not like CJ Crone. I know that one. I mean, I like him as a player. Um, okay, but in like fourth round, fourth round, CJ Crone. I I think that CJ Crone was could have almost not free. He would have definitely been drafted, but maybe in the teens um, or Over early. Hundred RBIs, bat and clean. I know, and he's Colorado. in core, so maybe not the teens, but he he's not like a top. I don't know. Like you go to any ranking on first baseman. Not that that's the you know. His uh, statistics look very similar to Adolis Garcia without the steals. Like, like first base, I have him ranked at. Uh, where is this guy's name? Crone. It's ten. Most places. I have him. I have him like sixteen. I mean, that's fair. I guess it's not. So uh, like, and that's like uh, only three, four, so maybe thirteen. After we take some of the keepers out, yeah. I don't know. I, I just CJ Crone is like I said, he's a fine player. It's not that I don't like him. Yes, he's gonna he's gonna hit some dangers. But I mean, the fourth round, I, I don't know. And like I know Tony didn't have um, you know a bunch of other stuff. He did. Options. Oh, so uh, the only other I mean, one, yeah, was Austin, Austin Hayes. Hayes. Austin and Hayes I think I would have kept Austin Hayes because he was in seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, I think I would have done that. So that's one. Um, when you keep somebody though. You kind of like, I mean, at least I do this. You are like, is somebody going to take this person before where I'm going to keep them? So with the talent pool right now, I mean, for what's available at first base, CJ Crone's probably the best one. Does everyone need first base also? You could say Vinny Pascantino. I would rank uh, maybe Christian Walker. France, Telez, Bell, Walker. Really? Uh, yes. Ivan. We're would... talking about the core's first base. <laughs> I know. Who's the but... cleanup hitter? I would I just. I mean, yeah. I you know, know you're not getting any stolen bases out of him, but you know, 
a lot of these guys we know what you're getting and Vinny, you don't know what you're getting no i'm and, i'm i've been very uh, vocal about thinking that Vinny's like going to get way, picked way before i would like to because you're you're going to pay for i've said this so many times it's going to sound like a broken record you're going to pay for somebody who hasn't done it when you could just get somebody who's already done it yeah for way cheaper like you're you're looking for pascantino to do what cj crone maybe or even like nate Lowe has already done so why not just take that guy away later i i just nate Lowe's dangerous because and i know we're getting off topic here nate Lowe's dangerous because um he hasn't he didn't always do what he did last year and so he's come up and uh you know but he's always shown the the like if he didn't hit 20 something home runs last year, he's always, he, the year he hit 270 or whatever. I mean, I think he ended up hitting 270 last year too, but the stats, he, he, he shows like, that he, that he can change his approach in the middle of a season and be very yes. good at either one of those. And that's why that's I think that's a good player. Like, Oh yeah. Very good plate discipline, but the statistics themselves, as I think he was batting clean up her fifth for oh, yeah, this now team. The team is much better. Right. But this 27 home runs, 76 RBIs, like the what really jumps out of you, what really stands apart from everybody else is the fact that he got on base at a three at 358 and yeah, his average fantastic. was over 300. That's really good for a first baseman. I'm just saying, uh, Crone beat him by almost 30 RBIs, more doubles, more runs. But yeah, it is what it is. I mean, okay, Crone got kept. You didn't like Crone. Who else? Like I said, I like Crow. I just think fourth, he could have, he probably could have held off on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this gets really hard because everybody just has gotten so much better with this. Um, so like I said, I like, I don't want to shit on Tony or Crone because, like, he's like I said, he's a good player. He's just one of the worst three keepers. <laughs> like, right. Um, Mitch Hanniger is another one of mine. It's yeah. also Tony. So sorry, Tony. Um, and then third, um, that's tough. Um, third, Brad, who, who you got? Uh, mine are, mine are pretty easy. Uh, Andrew Freddie Freeman in the first, um, Dansby Swanson for who had Dansby Max, Max. in the fourth. Thought that was funny, and then, um, and then I don't know. I was debating my third. I, I think I you know mine. I, Pablo Lopez in the third for me. Pablo yeah. Lopez, and and he kept. I think he was kept. I don't want to speak for Victor, but he was kept as a Marlin, or this, or he decided on keeping him when he was a Marlin. Yeah, and I didn't mean, change his mind. Is, yeah, when he went to the uh, twins, not that that affects too too much, but yeah, it's a it's a little difference. Yeah, it is a little different. So yeah, that would be my worst. Again, I think I like Pablo, but uh, in the third, I, I don't know. I'm not sure that I'm. I have Pablo as like a top sixty pitcher in this in the fifty to sixty range. But. Yeah. If Bregman wasn't an Astro, would he be kept in the second round? And like yes. Victor's not even an Astros fan. Like yes, Bregman. Yes, he does great. He does great in the playoffs and he's had a good run, but he hasn't been playing that great these past couple seasons. So 
in my opinion, if you knew the draft pool prior to keeping, obviously we don't, that'd be cheating. But if you did, you would keep Bregman wherever he is, even if he's in the first round. Because there is an absolute gulch of a cliff that third base falls off around like 10. Gotcha. Um, Plus so, it's just like, I, I, I feel like I get what Brad's saying. Like, cause in, he hasn't had that year since 2018, 2019 where he had like 230 RBI plus runs. But, yeah. but if you just like, if you just gave me a third baseman that was like pencil him in for 20 home runs, 85, 85 on runs and RBIs, and then a 340 OBP, like I would take that guy in any round if he just get, and that's kind of what his thing is. Like he's just kind of going to get those numbers because he's Mm -hmm. on a great team and he is a good hitter. Like he's never had over a like 15% strikeout rate. Like he's, he is a very good hitter. So. Yeah. I guess you're right. No, I mean, he hasn't had the big blow up 40 home run season, but you know, just the fact that, you know, you're going to get 20 home runs and like, 160 RBI runs guaranteed. Like, it's just, yeah. I, I think I, the way I look at keepers is just different than what other people look at. like. I don't want to keep people rounds one through, you know, five unless I have to, right? And, and I don't know if I'd put him at like, I, I would, I would rather keep a person that's probably not as good as Bregman, but in the 18th round that could be close to as good as Bregman. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I, but as our league progresses, which this year I think has been the biggest leap so far, like with Adam and not that they were terrible before, but they just didn't like they were newer to the league. And now they're starting to understand how it works. This is by far the worst draft pool. And I don't mean it's bad, but I mean, like the the value of everybody's keepers is so much better this year. So I get what you're saying. It used to be like I always wanted to have my first round available uh, yeah. because you could get Maddles and Freddie Freeman. But now it's like. I mean, the the after the first two players in this draft pool this year, I'm like, I, I mean, they're normally probably fifth or sixth rounders. I, I <laughs> yeah, it, I, because I used to be like that, absolutely, Brad, and be like, hey, you know, first round's first round. This is in fantasy football. Like, first round is really like the third round, and the fifth round is really like the ninth round. Like, a lot of these people that we would stack in the first round are not there. They're not there. Now, Bregman is not worth a second round pick in the normal draft. He's a fifth or sixth round pick. Um, so 128 a, players, if you just do, we have 16 team league, right? Yeah. Eight keepers. Yeah. If every, I mean, I think everybody has eight. Maybe there's a team or two with seven. Right. It's 128 players just gone. Like, so yes. yeah, you're, you're, you have to look at it a lot different than you, than you look at it. And by the time, and it's, it's crazy to think about because how it used to be was you have this young star breakout because no one took them when they were young, and then you snag them in the first, right? So like Juan Soto, okay? I think that was like the last person that we had, or Jordan, but Jordan was dropped um, two times after his breakout. Um, you know, you you don't see that anymore. That doesn't happen like that anymore. I mean, there's, there's about one a year, I think not as not to that level, but like Strider would be that guy. Like, sure. 
Sure. But Strider was the, probably like, the one from last yeah, year. That but maybe he's not Jordan and Soto level for sure. Well, we don't not 100 percent sure. Yet, well, but I mean, I feel Jacob like DeGrom was two. taken and Sandy Alcantara is taken and no one's batting an eye at that at all. You know, uh, like no one's saying, yeah. hey, so Strider has a year that's anywhere close. Uh, you know, Woodruff got taken. If he had a Woodruff year that doesn't blow anybody away, that's and just strikes a ton of people out, which he probably will. Then he's worth a first round pick next year. Um, but, but yeah, you see, I, I still, even though there's 128 people in the first round is going to be whatever, 129 to 140. I still think that it's worth keeping people in later rounds and getting the, the third rounds and the first rounds and the fourth rounds in the second, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, I still, I still very savvy tactic for in sure. a perfect so. world, Brad. Yeah. My 14 through 22nd would be keepers. Yeah. And I would have everybody open before that, but there's just a lot of talent at the beginning of that draft, it. you know, and, and you keep them and you hold them and your team's built around that is you're very lucky that you have Goldschmidt in the fifth and Harper in the seventh and Francisco Lindor in the 17th. Like those yeah. would all be first round picks if they were free agents this year. So yeah. um, it's just how we build our team over time and how we, how we structure things. Um, I, it, it's crazy to think about because y'all are looking at the first rounds as something. And I'm not just saying this because this is how my draft set up this year as, as value, you know, Kevin doesn't have the first five picks. So he has a lot of value that can be taken in those first five rounds. I find a lot of value in those last rounds because if I can find gyms, one or two good guys, like fucking uh, Liriano or Aaron Judge or somebody in these last ten rounds, and I can be good not only this year, I can be good for multiple years to come. So yeah, for sure. I, I mean, a good. Yeah. Uh, that, I love to set my draft up that way too. It's. I mean, now that I have twenty, twenty-one, and twenty-two uh, locked up, I mean, yeah. which is a good feeling. But still, now I'm gonna just have to target eighteen and nineteen, which is always something that I think most of the league has kind of seen that and been like, this is the rounds. I mean, obviously the, you know, whatever Jackson holiday is going to get taken in like the third round or something stupid, but there's always the guys that you dive deeper on and you find their profile that you like. And you go, I mean, Jared Kelnick was kind of that guy. He never, I mean, he hasn't materialized right. yet, but John took him in the 16th or something. And he, you know, that would have been one of those guys were like, had it came through, we would all have been like, son of a bitch, you know, Kelnick yeah. in the 16th is crazy. So, um, yeah, those, those are the good him. rounds. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he's, uh, let's say, uh, foreshadowing for later. Yeah. Um, John couldn't fit yeah. him in, but I mean, yeah. I guess not. But, I, you know, that's if what... I was like Adam or, or Tony or somebody, I would have tried to trade for him and right. uh, that's a... the upside good. for sure. Good keeper. All right. My three, uh, Noah Syndergaard in the 20th. Uh, is not a good pitcher anymore. He hasn't been a good pitcher mm. for half yeah. a decade. Uh, his velocity on his fastball has decreased. Uh, he just gets smashed every time he goes out. Uh, I remember betting on prize picks last year, and it was over under two innings for his start. Um, he's just not a good pitcher. I have no idea why you would ever want him on your team, even as a streamer, let alone a keeper in the 20th. Uh, I think that is by far the worst pick in in our thing uh number two michael conforto i know we go back and forth on this trevor but michael conforto did not play 
at all in 2015. I know it was due to injury for most of the first part, but he didn't play not for a team like he had a spot. He didn't play. He was a free agent. He didn't have a team at all. Uh, he had a chance to sign later on in the year, and he chose to forgo that to uh, get uh, a deal in the offseason. He got it done with the Giants. It's great. I think that he could be some kind of value if somebody would have taken him, but he was kept, um, which is just, to me, absolutely bizarre. To have been kept the whole year through all that, I just don't know if Conforto's that kind of player. It's like, you know, keeping some kind of like bench squad player all the way, Miguel Rojas or something, all the way through the year and then being like, oh, I'll just, he didn't play, but I'll keep him. Um, last, I'm going to go with, and this is no slight on Ethan, but Giancarlo Stanton, I really thought he would let him go. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton is kind of a leech on everything but home runs. Uh, well, not last year. Yeah, last year. I mean, didn't he hit like 270 last year? He hit 211. Like- he hit 211 and got on base at a 297 oh, clip. 20, 2021. He had 400 bats, which isn't like nothing. So yeah, no, I, I for some reason I saw the 273 in 2021 and right. had that in my mind. Yeah, a 354 on on base percentage. Yeah, he he had seven doubles and 400 bats. That put him on pace for like 13 doubles on the year. Like it's literally a home run or nothing. And we've seen him play that way. Um, almost 50% of his hits were home runs. Uh, it's just not the kind of player, especially with the rule changes that we'll talk about coming up here, where like the MLB is not headed in that direction. Those players are not going to get 100% playing time, and teams aren't being built around the Giancarlo Stans and Joey Gallows of the world. I just don't think that's good value for that fourth pick. Um I think that he's somebody that could have been taken in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. And, uh, you know, if you had anybody else that you could have taken him, but that's just, that's just me. Uh, all right. We've got through these keepers here. Moving on. Let's talk about the strategy changes based on the MLB changes. So we have uh, rule changes that have yet to be worked out, yet to be ironed out that we'll talk about um, before the weekend starts. But there's some changes that happen in the MLB, some huge changes that's going to affect the way we look at, at fantasy baseball. And it should affect the way you look at fantasy baseball. The pickoff uh, limit where you can only have two pickoffs and then the third one's a Bach, larger bases, the pitch clock, no more shifts. And I wrote no more juiced ball uh, just because the MLB has kind of put <laughs> some lack of trust in my head about uh, what ball is being used according to that, uh, the Aaron judge home run race of last year where they were using uh, Goldilocks balls, which apparently uh, jumped off the bat a little bit more. Um, We're seeing more of a 20 or year 2000 type baseball play where there's a lot more steals, a lot more hits, a lot more moving people around and less of the home run ball. How does this, does, I mean, I don't know if, if Trevor and Brad, you guys have thought about this going into the draft and how this is going to affect the way you draft. Is it going to? And if it is, how is it going to affect? Trevor, what do you think? 
Uh, I mean, slightly. Um, my, my biggest thing at first was like, uh, you know, just starting to think about like, oh my gosh, what is this going to do to the players and all this stuff? And, you know, but then I, I just kind of realized like these, like you mentioned, these are league wide rule changes. So yep. there, there are a few outliers, um, you know, with the, with the larger bases and the shift mainly, but as if you think that like, let's just say it adds a 20% increase to stolen bases, which I think is what it is right now in yep. the spring training. And that's what they had for the years they did it in the minor leagues, mm-hmm. 20, 25% increase. That's like league wide. So yes. I think the biggest difference you'll see is not like Tommy Edmond stealing going from 30 to 40. The biggest difference to me is going to be like Freddie Freeman from like eight to 15, like that, or, or 12, you know, like that's where you're, that's where 13, the percentage, or he had 11 last year. Okay. So 11 might... to 15, right? Yeah. I think that's the percentage type of increase you're going to see more so. Like Trey Turner's just going to always steal, but like they're not going to be like ramp up your stolen base attempts by 20% because you're the fastest. You know, I mean, it's going to be these middling guys that I think are going to really be in the eight to 12 type of range that you're going to see. So for me, like when you're drafting, I mean, I'm not going to, I might look at a guy that had zero last year a little differently than somebody that had eight and be like, yeah. obviously I want the guy that had eight. Cause now he's probably going to have 12 or 13, depending on who it is like. So that, but I mean, again, the same guy that, you know, you're going to draft is going to, be projected to steal 20% base more bases too. So I don't think there's not like one player in my mind. That's like, Oh, I got to have him now. Cause the, he's going to steal 20% more. You know what I mean? Everybody just, and that's kind of my thing with the shift. Obviously there's like, I think this one has more of a handful of guys that it's going to um, positively impact greatly, but still like, you know, Schwarber and Kyle Tucker are probably at the top of the list because Seager. they, yeah, and Seager, because they pull the ball and they hit the ball hard and and uh, they do it at a higher rate than most people. But again, the league is just going to see a bump. So again, I'm not adjusting like, oh, this guy's going to have 10 or 15 more points on batting average because like everybody will have five to 10 percent or five to 10 more points on batting average. Like, so I thought first, like, of course I got to find these guys, but then the more I thought about it and looked at it and studied the players, I was like, there's a few on the batting average because the shift, but for the most part, it's just going to be a overall 10 to 15 point increase on batting average throughout the whole league. So everyone will be affected. That's just my opinion. So I agree with you. And and I disagree with you. I, I agree with you in the sense that I think you get, um, stolen bases from unexpected places in in some spots now 10 stolen bases is not something to be depended on um you know that's no but if you don't get one of the burners and you have six guys that get 10 to 15 stolen bases you're going to be competitive every week sure sure um but i i just i i don't think that's like a game changer i don't i don't know if you one of the guys that i really look at is uh cronenworth Cronenworth did not steal before. Um, that's one of his down. Like if Cronenworth had 10 steals last year, I think you look at him so much differently than you would this year. Um, 
he didn't. I, I but I think Cronenworth is one of those people that will have ten to fifteen steals. I think people who are younger, people uh, who play those middle infield positions, people who they, they'll take the opportunity and they'll take the advantage to take that extra base. Um, I, and I think th- there will be those people that go from three to ten or three to fifteen. Right. However, I think we see like sixty to 80 steals from some of these people last year your league leader was uh john bertie at uh 45 i believe uh Trey turner had 40 41 last year we had uh 41 from john bertie and then uh, jorge mateo had 35 those were the top guys uh, turner only had 27 so oh, i think a lot of these people they are going to, I think you do see a lot more 2020 people. I see, I think you do see uh, a 40, 40 person this year. Um, you know, I, I, I really honestly do. I, I think. Yeah. That, but I, I think you might've seen a 40, 40 person beside before they changed the bases. Maybe even no one's even come close since I think Acuna would, he didn't even. Acuna sniffed it and didn't even play most of the year. Right. <laughs> He sniffed but, it. I mean, he was like 25-25 last year. Missed like 60 I just, games. Just from what we've seen thus far, I think that we see some people who are regular burners like Mullins and Edmund and Turner, and we see them steal with nobody on, and they're on first like almost 100% of the time or attempt 100% of the time. Yeah, I think that you're just going to get a lot some some people with just a ton now those people in the middle will stay in the middle the people with not a lot of seals would get some but i really think honestly think this is a year where you see somebody not like approach ricky anderson or anything like that but get a, a fuck ton of steals something that we haven't seen since you know crawford and ellsbury and all those people that we had 20 years ago that you drafted purely based on seals um brad any thoughts on on the new shift uh, yeah I'm, I'm more on trevor's side i think it's gonna be it's just gonna everyone's gonna get a few more i don't think that there might be one or two but then now you're just shooting in the dark on on trying to get someone who's gonna get a lot of steals and same with the shift i think it's just gonna bump up everyone just a little bit i you know the way i look at it is it's a it's a rule change but it's everyone's a professional baseball player that's playing the game. Everyone's going to get the same advantage. Everyone's going to be able to adapt to the change of the rules. It's not like somebody's going to be like, oh, this rule change, I can't do this. Like every coach is going to make every player that's capable do it. They're not going to just say, oh, we're just going to go with the fastest guys. We're just going to go with, you know, it's every single person is going to get a bump. So it's going to be the same spot we're in now. It's just going to be more action for fans. It's it's very fun to think about that we're entering a new year with all these new rules and no, I mean, it's like an unknown data area that we have no idea how it's going to be as drafting. We don't know what we're doing. um, There's also a kind of a turn in in baseball in general, probably because in the minor leagues, they've been using these um, these things for a while or, or adopting a few of them here at a time. But like some of these position players are like just, and I mean, you see it in all sports, so you can't just say, but, but like some of these guys are like 
athletically way more gifted than like the catchers are asked to do way more now because they're not just like yes. framers and throws, you know, like now we need like uh, this year I've seen more like athletic catchers in my mind than I've ever seen. Like I'm just looking at sprint speed. Cause we were talking about stolen bases on Statcast and like a lot of the, there's like a couple catchers in like the top 100, which hundred sounds a lot, but like, uh, Victor Robles is number 85 in sprint speed, somebody yeah. that you would regard, you know, so right there behind him is Jorge Alfaro, you <laughs> know, like yeah, Jay Langlier. So I don't know. It's just a different, it, it, like just to expound on that, it's just a different type of feel with the, and it's not just the rules. I think it's just the game adjusting to them where like just people are just way more athletic overall. I, I like, you might see another JT Realmoto, not obviously this all-star, you know, um, status, but like just that more kind of type of player where like the catcher Gabriel Moraine, these guys are supposed to be more than just like lumps on a log back there who mash, you know what I mean? So I, I still believe that if a, if a player has not historically stolen through the minor leagues uh, or ever in the majors, they're not going to start now. I don't. Well, yeah, that's what. I, if they that's have what I'm like saying. five that's... career minor league stolen bases, like Shay Langoliers, I don't know I, off the top of my head how many minor league stolen bases he had prior to running up last year. But I think he's I, run quite a bit. I would care to guess that he doesn't get more than five. He had no, zero last yes. year in, in the majors. Yeah, in 153. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I as a general rule. I, I didn't mean draft. to say he's going to steal a bunch of bases. I right, just, just said this, the sprint. Yes. And, and that's somebody that in a position, they could be like, take a bag. You know what I mean? And from a catcher five would be cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, you know what I mean? So yes, yeah. I agree. I'm not saying these guys that just have zero. will just all, that's kind of my point was that it's just like the guy that had three to five will probably have five to eight. I don't know. Martin Maldonado is not, getting any stole seals for you this year <laughs> yeah, yeah promise you have to get um, on base to get a stolen base <laughs> <laughs> uh poor martin because he was talking about the athletic catchers and how they're not meant to do it just frame and throw people out and i was like everybody except for the astros oh <laughs> uh, well astros, the astros also, only believe in they also have them. a guy yeah I know, I know. There's, there's Corey Lee, and there's uh, uh, not even uh, Corey Lee. I know who you're talking about, but I, you don't know if he'll, he'll, if he'll have a roster spot or not. Yeah, yet. It might not break camp for sure. But yeah, I'm just saying. He's... Anyway, All right. let's let's get in here to some injury news. There's been unfortunately some injuries that might affect the way we draft uh, this coming weekend, and a lot of times we go into the draft and somebody will draft these people whether it be purposely if they want to hold on to them for next year or on accident because they haven't really done any research and they showed up to the draft, just not knowing what was going on. Hell yeah, um, brother. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Gavin Lux. He's out for the year. Um, towards ACL. The Dodgers are a totally different team than they were last year after losing Trey Turner, uh, Cody Bellinger, They've got some platoons going on in the outfield. Now the infield's a mystery. Miguel Rojas playing short, uh, maybe with Chris Taylor. It, it, how does this affect uh, the way you look at at the the Dodgers, Trevor? Man, I'm really trying to do this like 
you know, everybody knows I'm a big Giants fan. I, I think the Dodgers are not very good. Yeah. I mean, obviously the top end guys, Betts and Freeman and Will Smith, and I, I like Max, Max Muncy, but I mean, this lineup just kind of falls apart. And Lux, you know, he definitely made it when you're reading the names, made it made it better. Um, kind of like, oh yeah, when you're when you're hitting Gavin Lux six or seven, it's not as bad as Trace Thompson and Miguel Rojas and um what's that other outfield outman they've got peralta david peralta yeah i think david peralta is going to start be the starting left fielder but but that's just a guy like he's been fine as far as baseball goes like he's a good baseball player he's yeah. above average um but yeah i just think that this team i don't think they're going to be trashed by any means they'll probably still win this division somehow even though the padres but um but yeah this hurts gavin lux was um i think was going to be a solid player um he had that the cool eligibility or multiple eligibility um who's this and, boost most for you um vargas yeah that's why that's uh, what i would would say if he so, had yeah any, there's any yeah, i mean obviously time. chris taylor but he was gonna play whether it be center field or shortstop and i actually think that i don't think he had a starting job he's not their center fielder uh, I, I think that was going to be a trade-off between Outman and Trace Thompson. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess for the baseball standpoint, then it's probably Chris Taylor, but for, for fantasy, I, I would think Miguel Vargas has the biggest bump here. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that worries me about Vargas is that the fact that he hasn't swung a bat in spring training yet. Um, yeah, and I know they say he will, and he's like literally the, their top prospect and probably one of the most coveted people you know, coming into the draft, but the fact that he has a uh, broken pinky, pinky, pinky uh, and and has literally been told not to swing the bat. He's played in games and been told not to swing the bat when he goes up there. It just kind of, that kind of worries me, um, you know, going. You know, I season. heard something today too, and this will be my last point about the Dodgers, but um, that kind of just, you know, we're so, I've already conditioned my mind that spring training is like, two weeks and then season because yeah. the last two years it's been it's very very short and so if he starts swinging a bat next week he still has almost a month yeah. <laughs> to like hit so uh yeah i agree it does seem like kind of sketch but at least he's in there seeing the timing getting that stuff seeing pitches and then if he does actually swing next week like they say he's going to and he still racks up i don't know 60 70 plate appearances at spring training like I, whatever that's fine by me yeah yeah no i mean uh, miguel vargas is up there i like his he's gonna be crazy at position eligibility he's probably gonna have first second and third um you know a good hitter in that lineup i like that but for me it's chris taylor uh i like that i love chris taylor i've loved chris taylor forever i feel like he's a five category guy uh can hit av- for average run uh he can hit home runs and he plays goddamn every outfield position and Right now, third base, I think, or he second some, base. Uh, yeah, I think I don't know what his shortstop or is, is a shortstop. He's going to add shortstop. I know. I saw. Well, that. I thought he so, had that last year, but uh, yeah, no, he has second base, left field, center field, right field. Um, his stats weren't crazy last year, um, but again, we know who Chris Taylor is. We know how the Dodgers like him, and I love Chris Taylor. I think that I would draft him. Well, I mean, I'd have to see how the draft goes, but I would draft him somewhere around where Miguel Vargas goes. Brad, 
do you have any ideas on the on the uh, Dodgers post Lux? I think it's everything you said. I think Vargas is the upside from that. Yeah. Um, because he's the prospect, and then Trace would also be the the upside. Whenever I look at, that's really all I look at is if if someone gets injured on a team, who you know who can jump in and. Well, it's going to be Miguel with- Rojas. At the moment, they've been splitting in spring training, but. Maybe yeah. we know who Miguel Rojas is. He but, is. But Vargas is going to get more at bats now because of this as well. Yeah. If yeah, there was 100%. any if there was any argument whether Vargas was going to get well, any, I think uh, they would have put it like said Chris Taylor at second some games and probably right. put Vargas. You know, they would have been the, the they do what they always do and they move people around and, and Muncie would have played some there or whatever. But yeah, I think now it just solidifies like Muncie's now your third baseman, and Vargas is now your second baseman. And if he gets a spell, for it's every game. Be... Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 This Trace Thornton thing, or Trace Thompson, dude. I, I, I just don't get it. But whatever. I like Trace Thompson. I, I, I have him on my draft list as, as kind of like an emergency, uh, center fielder. I know he's going to platoon, but, uh, you know, from a daily fantasy standpoint, last year Trace Thompson was minimum value, and, and daily's killed. Fine. I just don't. It well, just don't an age 30 breakout. And if we're calling it a breakout, he hit 13 home runs last year and still struck out 37% of the time. Yeah. Uh, you're just, but you're not drafting as a breakout. Player. No, I know. But I'm just saying like the whole, like three fifty just as a base. baseball, the guy's never had more than 250 plate appearances and yep. the Dodgers like win and got him. Like, I, it's just weird to me. I, I don't understand. That's somebody yeah. that, like, the Dodgers always have these guys that just, like, Muncie that pop up and they're just good. Like, surely they had somebody. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. I mean, yeah. Well, we'll we'll just have to see. How about uh, Brendan Rogers, Colorado? He went down. You probably won't see a lot of Brendan Rogers. Does this get you excited about any players over there in Colorado? Trevor? This was a huge bummer to me. Uh, yeah. I really liked Brendan Rodgers. Uh, I've liked him. Brad can attest to this. Oh, yeah. Brad I tried loves to trade. Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> well, and I was always trying to trade for him. Yeah, and, I had him on um, And, yeah, I think that I think that this was kind of going to be his breakout year, even though he had a really solid year last year. When Brendan Rodgers is kind of one of those guys where, like, when, you, when you're he's on your team, it doesn't seem like he's doing a lot. Yeah. And then, like, you look at the end of the season and you're like, golly, he had that good of numbers? Like, he's an accumulator, as most people in Colorado are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Nothing I thought eye-popping he, there to me. I, no, I, that's I, what I'm saying. But but when you get, like, 15 home runs and or 13, whatever, 70, 70 runs in RBIs, 266 or 325, I don't know. Like, again, it's nothing. But when you just plug that guy in every day and not have to – worry about it like it's also cores inflation so on a regular you know whatever you might be talking about 10 home runs 50 some rbis it's just not but i think that this was you know he's going he would have been going into his age 26 season and and there's there's been you know studies done on like when just kind of those prospects that don't turn out to be mega stars pop is in the age 26 to age 28 season um so I don't know. Just I, I had high hopes for Rogers. Uh, I see this as a bummer, and it it really unlike the Dodgers, um, it kind of really doesn't do anything for me for anybody else. It just takes 
Brendan Rogers off of my list. I mean, uh, again, we'll talk about some of these guys later, but I mean, there's some players on this team that I already kind of liked, but it's not like I'm looking at Tovar now and being like, bump him up a bunch. Like he was going to, oh, he wasn't, he wasn't even going to sniff. Uh, Rogers wasn't going to sniff short top. No, that's... I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's not, nothing here changes for me that much. Like they're, whatever, they're going to move. The one player I have in mind is, is Nolan Jones, and I like him. I liked him before this, though, is, is kind of my point. So, but he now, might not have played. He was going to play outfield, I think, a lot for this team. Um, he it wasn't guaranteed. You're right, but like I said, I I was I was high on him before the Rogers news. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm going to hop and get him in the fifth round now or something. Whatever. Like I just yeah. still think he's a good player. So yeah, it's a bummer. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the first thing I looked at was who's going to play third base because now, now you move Ryan McMahon over to second base and Ryan McMahon. We know who Ryan McMahon is, and we've gotten excited about Ryan McMahon in the past. Um, we knew Ryan McMahon was probably going to play. It's so, so, somebody's going to draft Ryan McMahon. I mean, the you yeah. can't not have the second baseman for or a starting player that's not in a platoon in Colorado. You can't not have them. Blackman's going to be owned. Tovar's going to be owned. Crone's owned. You know, whatever. Crone's as long owned. as they have a Crone's owned. Yeah. As <laughs> like you don't own the catcher, Elias Diaz or Brian Servan, because they don't play every day. In fact, they play only like evenly half. You don't own the DH. You don't play Jonathan Daza because I mean, maybe with Connor Joe out, he plays a lot more, but you just don't have that kind of, you know, whatever. You're going to own Chris Bryant, but most of the Rockies are going to play just because they're fucking Rockies. So I guess you got to ask yourself if since Brendan Rodgers goes down, is Nolan Jones going to be like the one guy that plays third base for them every day? And if that's the case, then it's not if he gets taken or, you know, it's what round will Nolan Jones be taken? Because if he's, if, if we see Nolan Jones minor league numbers, translate to course field he's gonna hit 30 home runs that's that's it he's just gonna hit 30 home runs i can't guarantee you anything else uh, you know course field's a great doubles place it's a great triples park um what makes you think he's gonna hit 30 home runs here because nolan jones is just a powerful hitter he's just a power hitter and i think that uh you know these other people who have played in this park and have not, I mean, he'll hit 30 home runs if he doesn't get injured. I think that Nolan Jones in, in Cleveland would have been a 30 home run guy eventually. Um, I, I really honestly think that, uh, that in course field full-time job, uh, you know, gets 500 something at bats, Nolan Jones can hit 30 home runs. He might bat 215. He might hit 20 something doubles. Have a better hit tool than that. Um, uh, no, not really. 35. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. I like him a lot. Like, that's what I'm saying. I, I had him up there before. I don't, I don't know. this 30 home run power. Uh, well, I know he has the power, but not like game power, but yeah, I like, I mean, yeah, it, it's just, it, I think that's the, right, uh, though. it's when is he going to get drafted? Not right. Really. Um, and so that's, that's a definitely inch and he'll have right field eligibility. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Brad, do you are you sad about uh, your boy Brendan Rodgers not 
not being able to play this season probably. No, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Did I, you... I have no, no, no comment. No, yeah, everything's no fine. No comment. Wow, doesn't, you're not even doesn't... like just sad for the guy, huh? I'm not sad for the guy. He'll you don't have any emotional for like four years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I had him for a long time, but he didn't. I I think I only got one ship with him, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So doesn't he have some All kind right. of place in your in your heart? Yeah. yeah. I need damn. I need moving on. Wow. Two ships Hit it and quit it. Um, <laughs> get in, get out. Get in, get out. All right, we'll talk about a few starting pitchers. These are, we can go quick on these. Uh, Tyler yeah. Glass now. Uh, it's probably going to be out of this uh, this Rays starting pitcher uh, rotation. Does this open up for anybody? And uh, are you interested in him? Uh, yeah. Bummer about Glass now. Like I said, uh, it is. You know, it's kind of one of those things. Like when you. That's the that's the gamble you take with somebody who's been oft injured. Um, I still don't think there's a lot of investment for John. Uh, I probably would have kept him as well, yeah. even though oblique suck. But um, yeah, I like I like. Uh, we talked about it for a second earlier. Like the Rays are kind of just one of those teams where they just get a little bit of a boost in my mind automatically. Um, so I like Eflin. I think Eflin. I mean. Obviously, he was going to pitch for them anyways. But again, it's like when the Rays do something or trade for a guy or sign a guy, you're kind of just this. This was a free agent signing. But still, it's kind of like, what do they see there? And Eflin's never been a big strikeout guy. So Eflin sucked. Eflin's not been good. I don't. What do you I mean? I, I've uh, I've like bet against Eflin many times, like when whenever I've seen Eflin in the past uh in that in that he's like uh, a serviceable MLB Phillies. pitcher serviceable okay i got okay you. and then two years ago he had a 11k per nine and then he had nine 8.5k per nine with a 1.36 walk per nine like those are cool ratios for and then you go to a team that's notoriously known for making pitchers better I mean, like, I don't think he's like going to be, I'm not going to draft him in the sixth round. Like, I'm just saying, like, if you're in the teens round and you're like looking for a solid pitcher that, you know, can get you good innings, like, uh, and not hurt you on walks and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the Eflin, like they're projecting him 146 innings. Um, every projection system has him under a four ERA. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, if you just take zips, ten and six, uh, with an eight K per nine, one point eight walks per nine, with a three point five ERA, with a it's I mean that's a that's a good pitcher. I I know I just haven't liked Eflin in the past, and so if I was going to draft him, which I'm not, like I'm not going to draft any starting pitchers probably unless there's one that's just like extreme value, um, then. I would not look towards Eflin. I mean, unless it's like you said, Tampa Bay thing. Well, um, I left Taj Bradley for you, so you could talk <laughs> about him. All right. That's what I, I was trying to. I, I think, uh, you know, Jeffrey Springs is one of those people that I would personally avoid. I had Jeffrey Springs for a lot of last year. But when you t- take a starting pitcher, you're looking for a certain amount of things, whether it be the stat you hate wins. Uh, quality starts, strikeouts, uh, you know, good good ratios and, and ERA and WHIP. 
Um, he doesn't get you a ton of wins, and he's almost never going to get you a quality start in Jeffrey Springs, um, or he's not going to get you one every time out at least. Um, so I'm not I'm not big on Springs. I like Drew Rasmussen. Um, Drew Rasmussen, and the only bump that you really get here because I really think that they'd have a five man with Glass now. Um, and now I think this opens up like a bullpen day that the Rays just absolutely love to do or take somebody out of the bullpen. Uh, and so Drew Rasmussen, I, I like going into this year. I think that he is everything that you said about uh, Zach Eflin, somebody in the teens that can come in and do work for you. Um, Drew Rasmussen was hurt for a, a little bit last year. Um, and they talked about making him into a Kittredge style closer um, or a relief guy coming back. Now he didn't come back for the rest of the year. He's coming in this year. He's got some pretty good statistics. I like that ERA, the whip almost is below one uh, two, eight, four ERA. And again, he's not walking anybody. by 31 and 146 innings. This could be their number two starter for the year. So you might see McClanahan, Rasmus, Springs, Eflin. Um, I like Rasmussen. I think that's the guy that gets the bump. And the only reason that I think he gets a little bump is because they go from a five man solid rotation to a four McClanahan, three bullpen game McClanahan, four kind of thing. Yeah, I think they were, they were just going to manage him. Not, I don't think just they do the phantom injury thing, but also I think that he was one of their guys that they were just going to do like the whole five innings and you're out thing. But now God, yeah, they, that they might, <laughs> they might, they might stretch him now. Uh, so I don't think he's going to get like a ton more starts. Um, but yeah, they'll probably just let him eat some more innings. Just reminds and, me disclaimer, everybody that's listening to this. If you pick a Tampa Bay Ray or a San Francisco giant, just know you are going to throw your phone at least once during the year because Austin Slater or some fucker, will come in in the third inning in the first, second at bat to bat for the guy that you have leading off Tyro Estrada or something. Um, or if you have Yandy Diaz, he will hit a home run and then he'll hit a double and then he'll get pulled uh, in the seventh for fucking not G man Choi, but I don't know whoever G man <laughs> Choi's mailman is. <laughs> so Brad, any thoughts on the Rays rotation after glass now? Uh, nothing that's going to change my draft, you know, order. But I think the most upside is going to be with Chirinos or Chirinos, uh, Yanni Chirinos. Yeah, or Patino. Like uh, Patino. Yeah, finally they'll let him throw about baseball, huh? I don't know if Patino uh, is going to play. Has he played this spring? Yeah, yeah. today. Yeah, he. Pitched. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. That's exciting. Yeah. Um. I, I, he's not even on my radar there, but yeah, good, good call out there, Brad. Uh, last injury, uh, we'll move on real quick. Uh, Andrew Painter, we were just joking about Andrew Painter, uh, earlier. Hmm. Andrew Painter, who was probably going to make the roster for the Philadelphia Phillies as one of their back end rotation guys or even front end rotation guys, um, one of their top prospects and probably the best pitching prospect outside of Grayson Rodriguez coming into this year uh, has been hurt. He is 
probably going to miss an extended amount of time. Trevor, you can be honest now. Did you like Painter? Do you still like Painter? Um, and does this affect anything, any thoughts of the Phillies rotation? Yeah, I really like Painter, um, but I don't think I was going to get him. Uh, I was not willing to pay that price, most likely. I don't know what that, I mean, obviously there would have been a round where I'd have been like, oh, okay, but I would have, I felt like he was going to go earlier than I was willing to take him, mm -hmm. um, especially with the uncertainties around, like, I, I think that they would have broken camp with him, but there's also just something that's like, they're a good enough team where they could have let Bailey falter pitch. I don't know. I like Bailey falter. Yeah, I think he's fine, but I'm just that's what I'm, that's my point. Is like they probably could have let Bailey Falter pitch whatever 10, 15 games, and then you know if Painter forced the hand, then they would have done something. So, um, so yeah, I like him as a pitcher. I, I would have. I it's a bummer. I, I like seeing these young stud pitchers come up. So, um, but as far as my draft goes, it, it doesn't really change much. Um, yeah, and it doesn't really change my feeling on the Phillies pitching staff um in general so gotcha um like I said Bailey Falter I don't mind him but he's kind of you know back end draft um if even kind of really at two all two these guys opinion, aren't so two of these guys aren't available Nola and Wheeler obviously are kept I think both by Levi uh Taiwan Walker Ranger Suarez those guys do you even sniff them Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I prefer uh, – shoosh. Ranger Suarez is super frustrating as an Astros Yeah, because he's another one of those guys, too, though, that will they'll they'll give him the old five-inning Yankee dink. So. He got 11 quality starts last year. Um, Damn. The, yeah. I, the, big, the first half of the year, I don't think he got one. Right. Because <laughs> I yeah. know that they were – and they were trying to stretch him out. So He was a fifth starter, I, I think, and he was somebody that they weren't expecting to be as good as he is. Well, and they were in the, they were trying to stretch him out. So the, I think the 106 innings in 2021 were towards the end of the season because they were trying to stretch him out. And then the, and then, so in 2022, he didn't pitch very off deep into a game until later in the season. And then obviously in the playoffs, he was, um, yeah, you know, pretty, the whole different game so in the playoffs. I prefer him to, uh, to Walker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I just seen. I, I, I can I, like I, draft him, but it'll be later. I've seen Walker get blown up so many times. Yeah, I mean, I'm the not first a inning. big. I'm not a big two pitch pitcher guy unless they're in the bullpen, and yeah. that's just what Walker's always been. It's like he's had a sick, you know, fastball and slider or whatever. But uh, yeah. just yeah. Brad Phillies. Yeah, Sorry, I didn't know who I didn't know who Painter was until you put this on the agenda today. But after yeah. I did a bunch of research on him, I like him a lot, and I'd probably draft him higher than what he's he's uh, slated for after doing some research today. I, I like the Phillies. Um, I like to get pitchers that are on good teams, and uh, I get wins. I know Trevor doesn't like wins, but. Um, I just hate that it's a category because there's <laughs> just so it's so, not really indicative of how the pitcher does. Just very short on that. I mean, we are playing fantasy baseball, and so there's a lot of statistics that we have that aren't meant to judge whether a pitcher is good or not. It's just kind of rewarding the fantasy manager 
by taking some of these players that are on better teams. Um, it's yeah, just another strategic saying... part of fantasy baseball. It's not indicative of whether this pitcher is going to win you a World Series. I, I did not submit a rule to remove wins. Uh, okay. So I, I don't, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to do that. I just think that it's one of the more arbitrary things in fantasy baseball is just like, yeah, like should, a, should you, what if, what if, I don't know, trying to think of an example, like if Garrett Cole was on the A's, like, mm-hmm. should he really be knocked down that much because he's on the A's versus the Yankees? Like, that's if you strike stupid. out 10 in seven innings and your ERA is 2.5, then you should win games. I mean, I fucking, yeah, but not DeGrom if nobody for... can, not if the other team gets no hit by like Ranger Suarez. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're talking to the guy who's had fucking DeGrom for three years and the Mets yeah, and can't been score frustrating to you. one run. They like literally I've lost yes. shutouts. He broke records for. And yes. so that's just stupid to have the best pitcher. in, but not, yeah. I mean, it's just a bummer to have the best pitcher in baseball and not get a win. And I'm sure there's some weeks where you lost by one win. And it's yeah. like, but if I didn't like that dumb. and I got fed up with it, I should have moved them. But I'm just a big believer in DeGrom. But anyway, it's it's just you're right. When, I'd rather have freaking. Uh fit in there i don't know <laughs> i know I you're absolutely right wins is... degrom could pitch seven innings strike out 13 people and then they win three to two or you could have joe schmo come in for one out in the ninth and or or pitch the ninth after uh you know he gave up four runs and then they the bottom the of the night common was uh, Trevor May or somebody coming in, blowing yeah. the lead, and then the Mets getting it back. So yes. <laughs> Trevor May gets a win. Right. And DeGrom right. is like just that. like, yeah. So, yes, it's it's a very faulted stat, but it's just something that's uh, part of I baseball. It. It's just I part of baseball. Yeah. Uh, positional scarcity. Maybe you guys might like this. You might be interested in this. So what I want to talk about is um, in the draft, what's available what you think is the weakest and what you think is the strongest positions in the draft. But before we go into that, I did some numbers rundown of what we kept. So I can tell you Mm. based on my statistical rundown, what percentage we are as far as like keepers. So for instance, catchers, right? You probably think that maximum there's going to be two catchers per team. Most teams won't have two catchers, right? So maximum, there's probably going to be 32 uh, catchers taken. Maximum. Probably not. Probably more like 19, maybe 18. Yeah, but we're going to go... Don't draft any. Yeah, we're going to go 32 just for the sake of this is a possibility that could happen. Based on that kind of percentage, so I did... Uh, four first baseman, second baseman, third base, shortstop, left field, center field, right field. I did four of those because technically you could have one at that position. You could have one at two utilities and you could have one on your bench. Not more. Many people are going to own more than four at one position. Maybe John might have like seven shortstops, but (laughs) on an average, this is what's going to happen, right? Starting pitchers. What I did was I took five starting pitchers. I put one in the the pitcher slot 
and I put one on the bench. That's normal, right? Seven starting pitchers per team. And with the relief pitchers, I did four, three in the relief pitcher spot, one in the pitcher spot, one on the bench. So that's the way I judge the numbers. Judging by that, there were, I'll go, I'll go down in order. Catcher, there were seven catchers taken. By the numbers that I did, that means we're 22% of the way done with catchers. What do you think, just by guess, was the most positional percentage like that we've completed as far as keepers? Shortstop. Incorrect, but that's number three if you count NAs. <laughs> First base. Incorrect. Center field. It's starting pitcher. Oh, I guess that makes sense. But you right? still have seven spots, right? Yeah. There yeah, were 44 sure. starting pitchers kept. Okay? Seven spots per team. That means almost half of what we will select. If everybody selects seven starting pitchers, and I can tell you right now, I ain't selecting any. I've got four. I'm good. Uh, if everybody selects seven starting pitchers, we are 46, almost half the way through starting pitcher pool. That's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. The least was relief pitchers. There's four taken. And by that rate, there's a, we're only 6% of the way through the draft pool. Brad has two, two of four. them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's, so that's the only best. two worth keeping. The right? Well, you know, I, I understand that because relief pitchers have a, a variant from year to year. But I'll go down in, in, in order here. We've taken 12 first basemen at 19%, 11 second basemen at 17 11 third basemen at 17%. 16 shortstops at 25%. Left field is the least kept position. Nine, 14% of the way. Center field, 12 at 19%. And right field, 15 at 23%. NAs, there were 21 kept. I figure if everybody had three NAs, uh, that's 44% of the pool that we've taken already. Just a little statistical background there. So if you went by what we need as a league the most, it is left field and then second base and third base and obviously relief pitcher. Um, but I assume maybe you haven't yet. Maybe you have. You've checked out the positional uh, pool, the draft pool that we've put together. Is there any specific position, Brad, that you think is particularly strong and any position that you think is particularly weak? Um, I think that starting pitchers looks rough right now. Like, I, I don't know. Well, we're halfway Who, there. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think that one looks weak from that standpoint, from looking at who's available. Um, and then, you know, from a strong standpoint, I would just say utility position looks strong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's good. That's good. good. Strategy. I love yeah, it. that is a good strategy. Get your Put utilities anybody out of the way. There. Yeah. Get your utilities out of the way early there, Brad. <laughs> um, <laughs> that. Trevor, what do you think? Um. I agree starting pitchers is pretty brutal, but 
Um, to me, the biggest drop off positionally um, is third base. Uh, even if you just do it by war, which war is not the best um, fantasy standpoint per se, but um, but just looking at, I mean, it goes down the drain quick here. Um, I told you, it's after part 10. of the reason why I draft or traded for Muncie was like I just don't even want to have to think about it, um, and I didn't want to sink my first round pick into somebody that I just would. <laughs> like normally pick up on waivers <laughs> yeah so um yeah i i don't like third base um there might be i think some guys are going to sneak into eligibility um pretty early into the season but um but just off of the draft database boy i don't like these guys so yeah third base is pretty brutal um a position that i really have come to like at first i think i'm joked about it how bad it was um is left field or like left field eligible players obviously you stated there's just a ton of people that are left field eligible because it's like i don't know man put them in left field you know like yeah. anybody that's played outfield could you know might have left field eligibility but i don't know i go way down here and i'm just like i'd take that guy obviously i wouldn't take him in the you know the sixth or seventh round but like i honestly don't mind TJ Friedel, you know, like, it's like that's a, <laughs> I guess <laughs> out of all the people I that I thought you were going to say, that was not the person. I thought, you're, Dude, I thought you'd say Lord Guriel or something. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't mind him either, but like yeah. TJ Friedel, like, I mean, who is Cincinnati going to play there? And <laughs> yeah. so if you're looking for somebody that to get at bats, um, he this is going to be a guy, huh? Is he leading off? He's probably going to hit the – dude, he's slated for 15 home runs and 10 to 15 stolen bases with yeah. a 320 OBP. Like, TJ Frudel. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, to take him – he's basically – he's free in the draft. All right. No. So, if you can get somebody well, he might not be the, now. You just told yeah, Brad. Yeah, you blow just, him up. You sold, sold him to me. I'm Brad just wrote oh, really big on his guys. Excel sheet. TJ I'm getting Friedel. him for free. Yeah, he doesn't know how to spell his name. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think left field's extremely deep. I, I wouldn't mind a couple of these guys way down here at the bottom. Um, one of them's on your Degum sleeper list. Oh, yeah. Really, really sorry. And there's that. people below that that I'm like, if I if I just get in a position where I'm like, all right, the left field, I don't want to take, you know, this left fielder in the 10th round, then I'll just keep waiting and get the right. value wherever I need to and get um, Edward Olivares at the very end. I don't Ooh, like that. <laughs> that's rough. I just not draft a left fielder. I'm also uh, just banking on uh, Aaron Judge getting left field eligibility like 10 games into the season. So, that's so that. we just talked about left field and how there's not a lot drafted. So a lot of people are going to want and need left fielders. Like, I'm looking at the left field sheet. The ones I like the most are probably going to be taken by the third or fourth round before I can mm. even sniff them. Oh, man, I'm so different. But, no, I mean, there are some down there that I don't mind. But if we're talking, and I don't mind saying this out loud because I don't have a pick until the fifth round, but if we're talking Quan and Chris Bryant, and probably Michael Brantley, maybe Tyler O'Neill. Like these guys, 
are probably going to be gone by the time they come back to me. Maybe not. Yeah, Maybe see, Brantley. I'm, I don't know. Uh, you can lean into that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I'd rather have like Austin Meadows like seven rounds later than yeah. take a second round pick on Stephen Kwan. Well, uh, yeah. Or Rosario. I, I think Rosario would be really good. That's I mean, Stephen Kwan is a two category player. I love that. What, what categories, man? Average and OBP. Dude, he hit seven triples that for the like lead the league. I know you okay. don't think triples uh, are a thing, but uh, no, the they're guy... a thing. But he like I'm not gonna. Who's ever repeated that? Like, if somebody's gonna repeat it, it's Quan. He was second in the league in triples last year, and behind Ahmed Rosario. Um, but he he steals bases and he got on base at a 373 clip. That is nuts. Quan deserves all the praise that he's gonna get. I think, uh, like I said, I'm not. I'm not saying like when I. I'm. I'm not talking shit as if he's a bad fantasy. But you I said just, you'd like, rather have Austin Meadows in the 15th than Quan because, in the second. Yeah, because I think that there's a chance that Meadows could hit 25 home runs again, have more RBIs, have more runs, not hurt you in average, definitely not hurt you in OBP. Where Stephen Quan's just gonna be. He might like he's gonna be he's gonna hit 275 and have a 350 OBP. Those are the only two like things that you know. I'd much rather just take the probably chance. Probably steal some bases. Yeah, like, but that's what I think he's in the he's Score not in the range runs. of. I don't know. He's not in the range of like 25 stolen bases where it really makes a true difference. Uh, that's just my that's just my opinion. Yeah, I I mean. Somebody's gonna take one for me, and I'm sure, be real sad. That's that's I'm not gonna be but, that sad about it. But, but yeah, no, I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot of left field. Um, I agree with the third baseman, um, conversation that you that you brought up there. I think that that the third baseman uh is is pretty shallow. Even if we had everybody thrown in with the Jose Ramirez and everything, there's like ten, and then you get to like eleven and twelve, you get to Eugenio Suarez and and the Jose Mirandas, and you're like. Oh my God! It's the ninth round. I don't have a third baseman. I just don't want to do this. And you wait and you wait, and somebody takes Eugenio Suarez, and then you're like, Oh my God, Jaime Candelario! I don't know if I want to do this. And you just end up not taking one. Um, there are a few in there that may come back and and be okay. Anthony Rendon, if you want to take a shot there or something like that. But third base is kind of a wasteland. Um, there is for me, and this is weird because left field and right field is something, you know, that I, when I first saw right field, I was like, ugh, disgusting. But lately I've been looking at right field and it's a little bit more uh, talent heavy than I first noticed. Center field is really, really heavy on speed. But there's like no home runs in center field, which is weird because in past seasons you'd think center fielders would just be blasting home runs. You'd have those the trouts and the you know the world, and and there's just not any there. So big, the, big drop off at the top there. Big drop off at the top. I think, like you said, you, I, you know, you think Harris, Michael Harris goes really really early, um, but after that, and Brian Reynolds. After that, it's like, I don't know where you go and when they go. It'll be really interesting to see where center field uh, 
get it settles because I, I don't see a ton of people where I'm like, Ooh, that would be a good like ninth, 10th round pick. Because if you could pick them in the ninth and 10th round, you could probably get them in the 17th and 18th round, or they might not be drafted. So um, it'll be interesting to see with center field starting pitching depends on how you look at it. There's a lot of starting pitching. I think that's out there. I know you guys think it's disgusting. Um, I, I think that if oh, you have zero, disgusting. I just don't think it's, it's just not great. Well, if you have zero starting pitchers right now, I, Brad, you have zero starting pitchers, right? I have one. You have one. Okay. If you, if you have zero starting pitchers, you can still go out there and make a good five, six, seven man rotation. You'd have to really spend on them. You'd have to yeah. get them in your early rounds, yeah. Yeah. but I really think that you could make a good five, six, seven man rotation with the starting pitchers that are out there if you really wanted to. I think pitchers um, too, like is a good is one that you can really change the shape of your your in season with your in season moves. There's you can always some good yeah starting I agree. pitchers that you can put together. You just gotta be good on waivers and, and yep. you know a and lot of these follow injuries. People, yeah I mean if you, and be good on waivers. If you look at these people, the people that I have that are really good value this year, Kyle Wright uh, Brady Singer, Kodai Senga, Nestor Cortez, uh, you know, Ronzi Contreras, Jeffrey Springs, um, Edward Cabrera, all these people last year were pitchers who were not drafted. I mean, that's why they're here and they played well. And that's why, uh, you know, it, they, they're going to be drafted up high. So I, th- I think you're right. I think that starting pitching is one of those uh, positions where you can kind of see people emerge by the summer and be like, wow, this guy's really good. Um, you know, we, Nestor Cortez was not a thing last yeah. year. I mean, people it's, that's why pitching so cool to me. And, and this people change the shape of their pitches all the time. They, yeah. they, like I said, they're the Taiwan walkers with two pitches and then somebody, uh, you know, Brent Strom comes along and says, let me help you throw the split finger. And then, boom, they shoot up and all of a sudden they're, you know, really good pitchers. And, and that's just, that's just why baseball is so cool is because you can, you can tweak. I mean, Trevor Bowers is the most notorious tweaker of all time. And I think that's why he was good for a long time is because he'd be like, Oh, I'm, I'm figuring this guy's split finger out. And then he would just like, it would be a completely different pitch and usable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that's why pitching is is just so cool because a lot of these guys will emerge and have emerged, like you said in the past. George Kirby, I mean, he was uh, prospect status, but like Gilbert Rasmussen, and no, I just mean like they they've kind yeah. of appeared in the middle of the season and, and been you know solid. Cortez right. and um, remember Tristan McKenzie, you know, was drafted a long time ago and was a top prospect. And then sucked, and they were like, yeah. "Put him in the. He's a reliever now." And then all of a sudden, it clicked for him. It, he, you know, yeah. and now he's Tristan a, now McKenzie. He's a stud. Yeah, Tr- Tristan McKenzie was a fastball only guy. Yeah, and he just threw shoulder high fastballs and got rocked. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, now he's 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 quite the starting pitcher prospect. Uh, real quick, so we can we can move along here. Let's go to positional sleepers and, and uh, me and Trevor have put it together a list for every position. Now, let me, just a disclaimer here. Um, the positions that I have, if you, I'm telling you sleepers right now, and I'm not afraid to say this because if you come up and you take these people before me, um, I have them 
rated really high. So if you're like, hey, I like this person and you take them before me, you were taking them at a ridiculous rate. Just at a, just like I'm reaching, you are like stiff arming me to the ground and reaching way farther. So I am not afraid to put these positional sleepers out here. I'm sure Trevor's the same way. Uh, Mine are a little different. I, I, I didn't, um, I, these are guys that I all would draft, but I did it more. I was trying to go a little bit deeper. I didn't know that you wanted like, which again, I would draft. Mine are pretty these deep. Players. Come on. These are, mine no, are yeah, deep. no, I know. I'm not saying they weren't like you were, I'm not saying you were cherry picking. I'm just saying yeah. that I, I just was like, I mean, like, I don't want more than two of the or three of the guys that I picked. Cause I went like, gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I understand. I don't want not... people to think that, like, I really think, you know, Michael Massey is. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like Michael Massey. <laughs> I like him a lot, too, but I'm just saying uh, don't draft him in the eighth round, guys. Go on. Oh, but, well, no. I mean, you could draft <laughs> yeah. him wherever you want. I'm just saying, like, yeah. for these people, these are the people where I'm like, I really like this guy, and I think there's going to be good value, and I might take them at a rate higher than most everybody else. Yes. Yes, That's, yes. So we are on the same page. Yes, we're uh, on the same page. And we're and Brad, what did you say? Yeah. I'm on the same page as y'all. I didn't pick all of them. I only have two that I picked, two sleepers, and then I'm gonna go to sleep. We're gonna no, we're gonna go really fast. We're gonna go now I'm this. gonna do my two sleepers first. Okay, you go do your two sleepers. It is nine fifty-five central time. So yes. Brad has been awake for at least a couple hours past his bedtime. So go ahead, Brad. Give us your sleepers here. All right. My first sleeper is, and I don't know if this qualifies as a sleeper, but he hasn't been good to my knowledge. Kalenic on the Mariners. Yeah. I yeah. Think, I think I think is a sleeper. I think he's gonna bust out eventually. I don't know if it's this season or next, but um if you can get him in the later rounds and he busts out, then he'll, you know, be the next Goldschmidt on your team in the sixth or eighth or tenth. Um <laughs> Well, Brad, I don't, I'm not even convinced he has him in any three of those rounds, <laughs> the 16th or 10th. And then my uh, my second guy is uh, I like this guy Brett Batty on the Brett Mets. Brett Batty, yeah, yeah, yeah I pick. like him a lot. Um, I think it's same thing. I think that no one knows who he is. So if you can get, I'm, I'm a big fan of the young guys, kind of like what Trevor said about the young pitchers. I like mm-hmm. the young bats um, and getting them on before they. They break out. So those are my two sleepers. That's why yeah. you can attribute the- your championships to for sure. Austin Riley was probably one of the greatest um, draft hits um, twice yeah. in a row, right? Of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, just yeah. J- Trevor, if you want to change your right fielder, you can change your right fielder. I know that I think uh, I had Jared Klinik was here. Right. down a center field for, uh, oh, I know he has, field. I think he has all three. So he does. I don't know, I just, um, yeah. But, but yeah, no, I mean, it, I can definitely come up. Those with are definitely one. the kind of people that Brad will end up with and they will become MVP candidates. So, uh, yeah, those are, those are good picks. I don't, they're not quite deep sleepers. Okay. They're, they're good players, um, that are high prospects on their team. Kalinicus really is been one of those guys where it's like, he was number one prospect two years ago and he is has monster stat cast numbers. He just can't fucking hit the ball. Um, he has all the tools to be one of the best players in the league. He just can't put the bat to the ball. So if he puts the bat to the ball ever, if he ever figures it out, he's only 23 years old. 
we could mm-hmm. be talking about one of the best players in the league. It's a good gamble. It's just where you want to gamble because mm-hmm. Brad, you're not gonna you're not the only one that knows about Jared Kalinic. I mean oh, I know. you I collect know. cards, I right? I you collect cards. Like... We both collect cards. Jared Kalinic yeah. was like two years ago during the pandemic was like people were paying thousands of dollars for like first Bowman's. I mean, there are people that are still in love with Clinic out there. So yeah. um yeah. All right. We're going to go through ours. Brad, you're welcome to listen. Sit here. If not, then uh, we will see you at the draft. Can't wait. Probably. Or yep. Friday. I'll see, I'll see you guys Friday. Okay. Yeah. Get some see sleep you, uh, and and uh, and good luck. All right. Thanks, y'all. See ya. The other okay. thing that I did with the sleepers, too, is kind of like um, – I, I like I said I there I would love every single one of the guys that I picked. It's just when you're drafting and you're you're keeping eight guys, um, you can only you got to pick your spots. Like yeah. I, I you can't take nine. Like I said in the group text, I think I only have thirteen picks or something. You know because of right. the NA or what. So I, I it's fine to me to actually tell the guys that I really want to pick because I'm like. I was only planning on taking one, maybe two of them anyways. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. If I fielded this team, right, my team yeah, would be no, terrible. Terrible. But but you but maybe some people would be like, oh, you know, but but if you if you you know disperse two or three of these guys between the 16 guys in our yeah. league, then you might not get the one you want. But yes, sure. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to fake anybody here. Obviously, I might have left one or two out or something, but I mean, these are guys I really want. So these are sleepers. Obviously, I'm going to take Gunnar Henderson over the guy I have at third base. But you know, obviously, I'm going to take you know Alejandro Kirk over my catcher. But they're just they're uh, these are these are the guys that that I like that maybe not a lot of people like. And we'll spend don't spend like a ton of time on every one of these guys. Uh, We'll just go quick. So at catcher, I got Bo Naylor. Um, Bo Naylor, uh, one of the things I like about catchers is you could tell by me having Dalton Varsho is I like a guy who fills up every stat sheet. And in fact, I like that about every one of my players. Um, it's kind of a theme for me. I like a guy who can steal. I like a guy who can get on base that hits for average. I don't give a shit if you hit 30 or 40 home runs. In fact, it's kind of a downside. If you hit 30 or 40 home runs, you can't do everything else. Um, somebody that can hit the gaps. As far as stolen base is concerned, if you're looking for a catcher that can do that, uh, Bo Naylor is the guy. Uh, for he, he may not get that starting job um, from Austin Hedges up there in Cleveland, but he is one of their top prospects. He will see the field um, sometime this year, I would guess. And when he does, he's going to be a threat on the base paths. Uh, I like Bo Naylor. Uh, he's Josh Naylor's brother, I believe. Yes. Um, and so uh, I think they're I, like twins or something. Weird. Yeah, Obviously real close. Not. And yeah. you've seen Naylor and his his talent at behind the plate. So I really think that uh, Bo Naylor is somebody that I would love to uh, draft. And if he decides to not make the team and he's an NA, then I'll stash him uh, until he does. How about you, catcher? Nick Fortes, Fortes, Fort, Forts. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like Nick Fortes a lot. I I, I kind of like kept an eye on him last year, but I had no idea he had 240 plate appearances. Um, so you kind of 
almost more than a cup of coffee here. I mean, 72 games. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a guy who, who's got a long history of, of not striking out a lot. Um, and for a catcher, that's like, you know, like I said earlier in the, in the podcast, like we're, we're not there, not just asking these guys just to be big masher people anymore. So he's got a little bit of speed. I don't, I don't know that he stole five bases last year. I'm, I'm not sure. He also hit nine home runs in those 240 plate appearances, which he's never done before. So I don't expect that. But I mean, if you're looking at a catcher that can like hit 250 and, and like, I think that Jacob Stalling sucks. So if yep. the Marlins like, you know, end up being, you know, and they've got a little spicy team. So this is just somebody to me, like uh, uh, why he's a sleeper, I guess, is if he ends up getting 500 at bats and hits like 12 home runs and steals eight to 10 bases and hits 250 with, a, you know, over 300. That's cool out of a out of a catcher yeah. that you don't like have to put any stock draft stock into, you know, I mean, honestly, he shouldn't be drafted, but. Um, you know, Nick Fortes could be the guy that when you put your NAs and you get those open spots, so you go pick up a catcher if you didn't right. draft one. Yeah, like you say, you yeah, you, you just pitch, you know, you're Brad with only one pitcher or whatever. And so you have to draft a lot of pitchers and you wait till the very end. You get Nick Fortes and like you could be, I don't know, I like him. I, I think he has a very cool uh, profile. Uh, yeah, for, for sure. His, for his hitting, so he's yep. he's he's got the profile that's just like Bo Naylor. He can steal. Uh, yeah, we saw it in yeah, limited appearances last year. Uh, he's somebody you got to worry about in the base pass, and it's somebody that if he really got the job and held held the job, I know it sounds crazy, but he could hit in like the one or two spot if he if right if he showed yep. that he was he could hit. Um, Seth Brown, first base, uh, is my first baseman, and I know Seth Brown didn't have like eye-popping stats last year, but when you get 11 seals out of that first baseman spot, he can play every outfield position. He's going to bat third or fourth for the uh, for the A's, and I know the A's suck, but you've got that positional eligibility. Um, I know that you know there's some talk of him being in a platoon, but unless you're playing like Ledmus Diaz or some other player that you bring up, maybe Shailing Lears, if you wanted, uh, Jesus Aguilar at that spot. Seth Brown will get most of the first base spots and most or or most of the DH spots. He can also play outfield, like I said. Yeah, um, right right field eligibility or something? Left, center, and right, and first. Oh, he has all? All of them, yeah. Wow. And yeah, so, cool. yeah, he had a pretty low average pretty low on base percentage 230-305 last year and his again his stats 26 doubles 25 home runs in 500 at bats so it's not like he had you know limited at bats and we're seeing some kind of like augmented stats like this is what he's going to give you mm-hmm. um but uh, extremely cheap first baseman probably the last number 3 or 4 hitter that you can get in the league at that rate uh, so I love Seth Brown. I, I will reach higher than most everybody for him uh, if if I can't snag a first baseman overall. Because I need one. Mm-hmm. Who's your first baseman? Um, Jonathan Aranda, Tampa Bay Rays. Um, this is kind of like I've mentioned a few times, just kind of a Rays thing. I like a lot of the Rays prospects. There's actually another first baseman um, that I like a lot for the Rays, but he's more of an NA type of player. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, Aranda's um, he's he's hit for power at, at all levels. Um, last year in AAA had a 203 ISO um, a, with a 
318 batting average, a 394 OBP, and that's in 465 plate appearances in AAA. They brought him up for a cup of coffee. He wasn't great, um, but even in that um, not great stint, he uh, he had a 26% strikeout rate, which is for somebody that comes up and struggles, you 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 might look to that automatically and usually see like 30%. But he's never, I mean, his highest strikeout rate in his whole career in the minors is 21 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the kind of guy I like. I like a 20% strikeout rate that shows, you know, some pop. Um, and and he's shown an ability to run like not not somebody that's gonna you're gonna draft for steals, but Again, if you're drafting somebody that you want to hit 20, 25 home runs, like Huck mentioned, for them to get six or seven steals, it's like, I mean, that that helps. Like, I mean, to me, it, it I don't know. That's that's a big chip in. You know, you might yeah. win a week because he steals one of his eight or whatever stolen bases in a week. So um, I like Aranda. The only, you know, that's just the Rays thing. You don't know. He might get 600 plate appearances this year or he might get 250. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, so yeah, that's the Yandy's. He's the yeah. Yandy guy. He's yeah. He's but they and they they paid Yandy like a first baseman, so I think that Yandy plays first. But they, you know, the Rays do what the Rays do. Like Yandy could be playing center fielder by the end of yeah. the season. Who fucking he's knows? first, second, third eligible. Yeah, I like that. He's left-hander, so he's the opposite of Yandy and Isaac Paredes at first and third. So yeah. he will get a healthy amount of bats. I would guess somewhere in between and four I mean, and five hundred. Is not like like I said, he's kind of a an age old breakout guy. I mean, we call it breakout. He had a great year last year, obviously, but mm-hmm. you could see a thing where the Rays are playing well. Yandy's not doing the couple things that he did really well last year, and they're just like not. He's not a for you. Don't want your first baseman to only be on base percentage. I'm sorry. That's oh yeah. Just, so just uh, there's yeah there's a path forward for playing time for him. I like Jonathan Aranda. Okay, second base. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go Bryce Terang. Um, there is a ton of really fucking fast guys at batting ninth in the MLB that I would love to draft. Bryce Terang is one of them. Uh, Bryce Terang is probably one of the top prospects in the uh, Brewers system. Um, He is somebody that is going to steal a shit ton of bases. He has shortstop eligibility and he also has second base eligibility. He's not, doesn't have a lot of pop again, going to bat ninth, not going to get you a bunch of RBIs, but he's going to get on base. He has good plate discipline and he's going to steal. Uh, right now, if you're interested in a guy named Garrett Mitchell, which is probably you know a cup of tea right now in uh, spring training, he's having a great spring training. This guy, Bryce Terang, was ranked higher than him prior to the season as far as Brewers uh, prospects are concerned. Um, as far as second base goes, if you are desperate and you need somebody at the end of the draft and you're looking for steals, which I'm always, I don't care if I have, a million steals. I will take more steals because I feel like they translate to both triples and runs uh, collectively. And so Bryce Trang's my guy. I like him a lot. Um, and I'm going if, to, if, if I get him, I'm going to love that second base shortstop eligibility. Yeah. Yeah. Like Terang had big prospects. So if you could put it together this year. 
for sure. Um, he definitely has a spot to uh, an opportunity to do so on that Brewers team. So, yep. Um, mine is Michael Massey mentioned it before. Um, again, kind of a little, uh, I don't know. It's not deeper because he's projected to have 427 plate appearances, but, um, that's kind of the reason why I like him. Uh, you know, for me, this like another just late, and this is a common theme with all my sleepers and Huck just touched on it was like, if I'm going to pick a guy in the 15th round or whatever, the 18th round, um, you know, that's going to get 500 plate appearances, you know, even if it's a bad Royals team, which I think is actually, you know, kind of frisky, but mm-hmm. um, he's, pro- I mean, he's projected for 13 home runs and seven stolen bases over 500 plate appearances with a 250 average at 304 OBP. So not great OBP, but like, I mean, f- for that late of a round, like what if he ends up doing 15 and 10 as you know, 15 home runs, 10 stolen bases, you know, with 120 runs and RBIs on your, like as your bench guy, your bench second. Mm-hmm. And I think he's actually going to be kind of like a Hunter Dozier right now. I think on Yahoo, he only has second base eligibility. He does. Yep. But and it's I, good. I think that's all he's going to play. Oh, okay. I, I thought for some reason he, he was kind of a mover like a, uh, but anyways, that's just a guy that like late in the draft, I, I just would be like, um, I already have second base short up, but like I said, a bench guy that, you know, you can maybe if whatever, say Muncie or Edmund gets hurt or something. And I, I'm like, this guy can hit 250, 15 bombs and 10 stolen bases possibility in, in his bag. Like that's, that's a nice free player right there to me. So, oh yeah. Uh, it, the only thing that worries me is they've, they had a lot of faith in Nicky Lopez and yeah, Nicky Lopez, I think that this is kind of the reason why they traded Adalberto because they realized Nicky right. Lopez sucks and nasty, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, you know, they still have Nicky Lopez on the team, and he's still going to probably play every once in a while. Um, you know, they're both left-handed, so it's not like there's a platoon there. Um, but, but yeah, I like Michael Massey. I think, and he's having a good spring as well. So. Um, I could see him him getting some some playing time and being somebody that stays on this team throughout the year. So not bad. Yeah, what's he's 24 and what's Nicky Lopez now? 28. So yeah, you know, you get to a certain point of the season, they might just go, uh, yeah, they you know, once they realize they're out or whatever, they've got this youth thing with Wit, Melendez, Pasquantino. I'd imagine they just kind of want to let these guys run. So. Mm-hmm. Once once you get to a certain point in the season, and you're like, all right, we're just gonna see what we have here. You guys, the youth guys, play every day. So, yep, and they'll get there too. I know you say this team's frisky, but when have we not? It's yeah, it's not great. But uh, when have we not thought the the Royals were frisky and we're like, ooh, this might be the Royals' year? I mean, honestly, the up, lineup's not terrible. The pitching is just awful. We just yes, like right. a lot of these players, like Bobby Witt and MJ Melendez. But once you get Past Pasquantino, we know what Hunter Dozier is. Kyle Isbell, Edward Oliveras, like those <laughs> yeah, are yeah, not. not yeah, You're that's right. not too great. Right. Uh, Chris Taylor is my shortstop. Um, we've touched on it before. It's just you know, without Gavin Lux, Chris Taylor playing all over the field, he was probably going to get anywhere from 400, 500 bats anyway. Now he's probably going to play a lot of shortstop and have five position eligibility, twenty steals. 10 home runs, score a ton of bases, hit a bunch of triples. I mean, he's prototypical my player, and I'm probably going to pick him 
three rounds higher than anybody else would. So Chris Taylor's my guy there at short. I don't. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, this is the same player I've said every um, position here is Bryson Stott. Um, he's rejected for 15 home runs and 12 stolen bases. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's on the Phillies. Um, so, uh, I know he's not going to hit the top of the lineup or anything, but still just being in a good lineup, there will be, um, some runs that he otherwise wouldn't get, um, if he was on another team hitting in the bottom of the lineup. So yeah, um, you take 250, 310 OBP with 15 home runs and 12 stolen bases, um, for a late round. That's cool with me. I'm good with it. So, so the the um the they traded the Phillies traded Nick Matone. Yeah, Nick Matton. I get them mixed up all the time. Nick Maton and Matt Veerling away for some starting pit or for for uh, some relief pitching. Um, it kind of gives you some confidence that or some. Uh, yeah, they like thing that they guy. like Bryson Stott. Yeah, right. And I mean, and he was a high draft pick, wasn't he? Yeah, and he looks good. He yeah, looked he good last year. Pick. Yeah, he looked good last year. So yeah, I think Bryson Stott is somebody. Again, you know, you look at the the uh, Nico Horners and the Andres Jimenez of the world, and you go, man, this is the guy I want at second base. Man, this is the guy I want at shortstop. I mean, put a full season together with Bryson Stott easily easily he could look like that so yeah. as long as he can get the bite on the ball and and, and well, not I mean, strike he, out he he only struck out 19 percent of the time last year so yeah no, I not, know, but... that's not his issue i mean he had 274 babbit so maybe he and he's the lefty isn't he uh I'm not yeah he's, sure. he's a lefty so maybe this maybe he's a shift guy maybe the maybe he does well he might hit 260 right um without he's bad in that eight so. spot too so yeah, but that, but still, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, you put an A spot on another team, it's not great. But there's going to be times where he's on second when the top of the lineup comes up. You know? What oh I yeah. Mean? Like they'll so, bat around. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not a bad late, late guy. Okay. All right. Let's go to third base here. Again, talked about this before. Nolan Jones could be 30 home runs there in Coors Field. Um, you know, there's questions whether he could play third base, sneak into the outfield for this team and get some at bats. Um, super high regarded prospect for the for the Rockies. Um, they who'd they trade away for Nolan Jones? Uh, somebody big. Uh, I don't yeah, recall off the top the, of my head, but yeah, the they Guardians. They, yeah, they shipped him over late last season. Um, yeah, I don't remember who that was. Yeah, it might have been some relief pitching. Um, but anyway, the, you know, we knew we, I knew thought Nolan Jones would be great. He just didn't really have a path for to third base spot because of Jose Ramirez. And so, uh, you know, this is a really, really good spot for a team that's going to put up a lot, a lot of offense. So, um, yeah, Nolan Jones, my guy, it's pretty, pretty easy. Um, this one for me is, is probably the one that I'll most likely end up with. Um, I don't know why I have a fascination with this guy. Um, Spencer steer. Um, I think he has positional flexibility as I'm speaking. I will. Yeah. First base, third base, not yeah. so 
but pretty weak um, spots in our draft. Um, and I like that yes. might be like my backup corner um, guy if I can get him before everybody else. Uh, I just I, I I like Spencer Steer. I, I, and he's a little bit older for the age. Um, he, he doesn't excel at any one thing. Um, but he's got a 60 hit tool. This is by the um, scout report, 60 hit grit tool, 50 game power, 50 raw power, 40 speed, 40 field. So he's like, they're going to put him, and it's the reds. So they're, they're going to put him in. They're just going to play him. I think he's oh, good for, yeah. For 500 something at bats. Um, well, he's got to start first. Okay. There is a guy named Christian Encarnacion Strand. Yes. Has he's three home runs. He's hit 650 the... right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And but Spencer... I think that this could be like an, an a little bit of upgraded Kyle Farmer. Not that he'll play short, but I think they could, you know, India, he can play second. I think he can probably, I mean, if you can play first and third, you can probably play a little outfield. Um, there's some projection systems that really like him. Uh, yeah. I mean, Zips has him at 17 home runs, maybe because it's Coors Light um, field yeah. over there. Um, hitting 250 with a 324 OBP. Um, so, I mean, shit, Zips, Zip, the other Zips has him for, for 540 plate appearances, 20 home runs, 74 runs, 80 RBIs, 246 and 324 OBP. That's a lot for somebody that could, like, go undrafted. Right. That yeah, I mean Zips usually does their main Zips account usually does just kind of over five like a full season for everybody, mm-hmm. um, but so that's like what your upside upside could be. So um, yeah, count me in, Spencer Steer. Nice, nice. All right, let's head over left field. Uh, we all know this guy, Jesse Winker. He kind of fell off a cliff when he went to Seattle. Uh, when he was in Cincinnati, he was just a banger, just batting three hundred hitting 20, 30 some home runs and was one of the top like people that we were talking about uh, last year and the year before uh, last year he, in Seattle, he just had a abysmal year was hurt for part of the time and just fell off. Well, he's got a new home and a pretty good hitters park over there in Milwaukee. And we are talking about a guy that probably hasn't really lost a step um, was just in a really bad situation is in a uh, position that uh, we've talked about that is highly coveted in left field. Um, somebody that probably people aren't going to be sitting there going, man, I really want Jesse Winker. I need Jesse Winker in the top 10 rounds. If they are good for them, but he bet 219 last year uh, and had 15 doubles in 456 bats. So that's creeping on a full season. And that's those abysmal stats. Um I like him for that left field spot. I like him for, I know he's not going to get you pretty much any steals, no triples. He's probably not going to score a ton of runs, but he's going to bat sixth or seventh in that Milwaukee lineup. That's looking pretty dang good right now uh, with their, with their off season uh, transaction. So I like Jesse Winker as a deep sleeper. I like him as somebody that you can get in the later parts of our draft. And maybe even if, uh, if he goes undrafted, I mean, this uh, it wouldn't be crazy to me to, to see this guy go undrafted and be able to be picked up uh, after, after we, we move some people to IL and NA. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a big, I'm a big winker winker yeah. this year too. Um, 
Yeah, this this one is is one that like this kind of stars have to align for this guy, but I just don't. It's mainly because of his team makeup. Um, is Stone Garrett on the Nationals? He's age twenty seven, so he's always been older for his level. But man, like I, I just can't imagine that. Like if this guy is hitting well in AAA again, or if uh, it seems like he'll break camp with them, but be in a, a bench role, but like Corey Dickerson, yeah. again, like just put, and that is like I said, he's 27. So it's not like put the young guy in, but like, we don't need to see 34 year old Corey Dickerson play for the Washington nationals. Yes. This guy could be electric too. Like last year in AAA, over 440 at bats, 28 bombs, 15 stolen bases, 275 with a 332 OBP. Like, if I'm the Nationals, I just, like, he's just my starting everyday left fielder or DH. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, let him play. There, I mean, even, I don't get it. So, he, he, he might he can not. outplay Corey Dickerson for sure. Right. And so, it's, it, it's honestly not even like a draft sleeper because you don't have to draft this guy. But I, it's just one of those things where maybe, you know, if you have the 22nd, pick available which i'm not i don't think a lot of people do because we have done this you know so long in the past where you take right. a nice prospect or whatever but to me like i don't know if you have 22nd round available and you, you just are like you know we're drunk at this point <laughs> like this guy could, he could be a 2020 player out of like literally nowhere right um so yeah i don't know and, and he's never been a great like batting average um, asset, but he, but he definitely hasn't hurt his last couple of years in, in the minors. Um, last year, 276, year before that, 280, um, and then 243, 243. So I don't know, man. I, I think they just let him play. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I saw st- it's, it's weird because no one's really, and this is the only like h- hate on him is that no one's really taking him a solid chance. He has a Marlins hat in his picture. Right. He played for Arizona <laughs> and he, he was signed as a free agent. So Arizona didn't retain him. Um, yeah. I saw Stone Garrett bat at the top of that lineup um, for Arizona. I know Arizona was abysmal last year, but yeah. he, he played in that lineup and he did decent uh, in yeah, his he, time he there. A, yeah. Decent year so, last year. So 84 plate appearances. Yeah, he'll definitely get some at bats this year. I think that he can he can play. Now, I think it might be a stretch to put him in the twenty second round as a twenty seven year old, but um, it, it definitely could be somebody well, like that. I, said, uh, I, I just if you're just like if you're drunk, uh, yeah, you're drunk, and you're like, <laughs> I mean, maybe I like I said he he's obviously a picker upper off waivers once he plays, but I don't yeah. know, just was like, this is a cool profile that I wanted to put in. <laughs> For sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. You want to be there. If he does do well, you want to be there to yeah. say, Hey, look back at that podcast. Yeah, um, right. Center field, Brian De La Cruz. I don't know if I've seen a better month uh, than what Brian De La Cruz put up at the end of the year last year. A lot of his statistics that you see um, are, buoyed by that uh, last month and a half of him playing. And I know they're not great. 252 average, 294 on base. Uh, but that last month, man, I think he hit like 12 or 11 bombs in that month. Uh, and he really put it all together. And for fantasy, no matter what sport, if you end a year hot like that, I'm hoping that you start the year hot like that. Um, he plays every outfield position. 
with the new statistics, I'm almost positive he's going to get you double digits in every category. When, by statistics, I mean bigger bases, pickoffs, the new rules. Um, I love Brian De La Cruz. Now, he does have to fight for an outfield job with Jesus Sanchez, who the Marlins also like. But I think that Marlon, uh, the or De La Cruz uh, earns a spot somewhere. Uh, he can play DH if they need him to. He can play right field for Avsel Garcia if they need him to. Uh, I like Brian De La Cruz. Uh, he was a rookie last year, so he's 26 years old. Um, but somebody at the end of the draft where it's like, hey, man, I don't have a center fielder or I need somebody to play with some outfield eligibility. Brian De La Cruz is somebody – that's nice. I know Victor had him at the end last year. I offered him a few trades because he was just like one of the hottest guys in the league. Um, so, so yeah, Brian De La Cruz is my my center fielder. Yeah, I like I like Brian De La Cruz as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this next one, I am ready to be hurt. Um, I not again <laughs> um, because I've never had him. Although I've been a believer in him before, Trent Grisham. I've I've switched my center field oh, sleeper a few times. Whoa. Yeah, tricked you. Wow. Um. Yeah, Trent Grisham is like. I mean, he was a first round pick. Um. Uh, he's always had the prospect status, and and then last year it was just um, brutal for him. To say it nicely. Um. But man, he could. There's just a possibility. Um. For him to turn it around, I mean, even as bad as he was, still was a two-war player last year. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there's there's still an opportunity for him to turn around and hit um, 15 to 20 home runs, and and he chips in on the stolen bases as well. He's always been a solid um, on-base guy. Um, so he's just one of those late-round picks, you know, the, the uh, what are they, post-hype sleeper deal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to it at the bottom of the lineup now because, um, Xander and Soto obviously, but, um, but again, going back to the Phillies saying when you hit eighth, you know, in, in a good lineup, um, say you lead off the, an inning, um, you know, the third and fourth hitters in that inning are going to be Xander Bogarts, Juan Soto, and then Machado. So yeah, I think that he can still, um, you know, put together a nice player, you know, just a plug and play or, or as a nice backup center fielder for you. Um, again, like Huck said, if you, if you kind of got through the draft and you had, you had issues otherwhere that you, you focused on, you're like, I need a center fielder. Uh, you know, this one could be, you know, ha- has the upside and the ability to get back into good graces of, of being a solid everyday player. So, yeah. Trent Grisham uh, has absolutely broken my heart. So yeah, many times many, I've like traded I said, for him and dropped yeah. him. Yeah. I remember that was last year. Yeah. He, I think he's, he was a 21st rounder for a long time. Uh-huh. Uh, again, he's the guy, guy that can fill up the stat sheet really easy. He was their lead off for a while. Yep. Um, for a long time. He bat 184. Before, before the Soto trade, he was their lead off for a while. Right. For the whole season. He bat 184. It's like one of those guys where you're just like, oh my gosh, you could be a 2020 guy. Yeah. Easy. He could be a 2020 guy. He had 17 and, bombs last year and a terrible year. Yeah. And maybe he's, maybe he's a shift guy. Lefty. Um, uh, I, I don't know that he hits. I mean, he had a 230 BABIP, which he's never done in his career. So yeah, that's, you know, obviously it's not going to shoot up to like 320, but, um, but I mean, he's, let me see what his 
poll percentage was before we go and finish this out. Barrels, hard hits. Pulled the ball 47% of the time last year. So, yeah. I mean, if, if any of those are line, I mean, 15% line drive is not great. But if he can, but maybe that's, you know, 10, 15 hits in a season now without the shit. I don't know. You know, I mean, yeah. he hits the ball pretty hard and uh, pulls a lot. So maybe this helps. Um, right. But yeah, Trent Grisham. Late, Trent late Grisham. All right. I right feel like I got Oscar Colas, who's fighting for a position over there in Chicago. So Oscar Colas is one, is the number two prospect for the White Sox. Okay. So he's not quite like a deep sleeper. Um, but he's played in Japan professionally. So he's a little bit more seasoned than your regular, uh, you know, young guy. And if you watch him hit, it's one of those hitters like Vladimir Guerrero Sr., where you don't have a consistent, like he's going to pull it or he's going to, you know, wherever. He's just a really good hitter. He just, you know, the Tony Gwynn style hitter where it's just like if it's outside, he's going to push it outside. If it's over the middle of the plate, he'll drive it. You know, it's not like, you watch, uh, you know, some hitters go and it's like, oh my gosh, Bryce Harper's going to pull that over the fence. There's just no doubt about it. Or, you know, something like that. Like Oscar Colas is going to put hit the ball hard in any different direction. You cannot shift on him. Uh, he gets on base at a, a really good clip. Uh, the uh, White Sox managers or White Sox coaching staff has said, even though he hasn't stolen Bases in the past, if you look at his statistics, he's not quite the base dealer. They say, you got good speed, and you're going to run. They did an interview with him earlier this week, and they said, you're going to run this year. And he said, hey, I'm open to it. So Oscar Colas is one of my my guys for sure. Yes, he's got to be out Gavin Sheets, um, who has been decent over the last few years. Uh, but Oscar Colas is one of those guys that I'll probably reach on pretty high in that right field position. I like him a lot. Uh, I think that he is, you know, right field is not nearly as barren as left field. Um, so we're probably talking somewhere in the 10 to 15 range, but you know, I like him a whole lot for sure. Yeah. I like Colas. I think he's having a pretty good spring too, right? Oh, excellent spring. Yeah. Yeah. That always helps. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine is, um, and I think with all these guys, there's usually like, you're either projecting that they hit, um, you know, at the at the top of their um, skill set, and and that's what you're drafting them for, or they're they're pretty doggone good, and they have maybe one wart. Um, and this guy, Oscar Gonzalez, um, for the in or Guardians, Indians, Guardian. Um, <laughs> He, he's a, I mean, he's just a good hitter kind of like, mm. I mean, he's, he hits the ball hard. Um, he came up out of nowhere last year, but, um, I think I had a couple conversations with Max about him. Um, cause I picked him up as soon as they called him up. Um, cause I was just like, who's this massive man and, uh, looked at his minor league numbers. and was like, Oh, this is a very fun player. Um, cause he, he is not going to help you in OBP. Um, he's just kind of like Huck just said, as far as Vlad goes, he is going to swing the 
the bat. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the wart. Um, he's, he's probably going to have an under 300 OBP, but I mean, if they give this guy every day at bats, I, I, I think like 25 home runs and, you know, again, in a surprisingly good Indians guardians lineup, um, and I think he'll he he he's an, he's not going to hurt you an average because just because he hits the ball hard and mm-hmm. uh, put it where they ain't. Um, yeah. So yeah, he had like a month that was just oh, amazing, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he doesn't strike out. So it's it, you know when I picked him up and saw his profile and I, I watched his at bats a few times and I was just like, <laughs> he just he doesn't strike out. So it's fun to watch his bats be, at bats because it's just like. He could be O2 and you're kind of like, ah, but then he just it like hits a single to right field and you're like, mm-hmm. sweet. All right, cool. Yep. Um, so yeah, Oscar Gonzalez is a fun one. Um, I imagine he'll be drafted a little bit. Um, he's not a super sleeper by any means. A lot of I would say like 10th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was uh, early. I was going to say before double digits, but right around eight to eight to 10, but yep. I, I do like him a lot. Um, and, uh, I think he only has right field eligibility, though. He didn't touch. Uh, he's not a very good fielder. Um, he does, yeah. So, just, just right. Just field. right field, but that's what we're talking about. Just right yep. field, you know. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with, for starting pitcher, we are on starting pitcher now, and this is a crazy comp that I'm going to make here, but I got Ronzi Contreras, who is probably, I think, the ace of the Pirates right now, which isn't saying too, too much. Um, but from what I've seen of Ronzi is like pretty dang close to what Sandy Alcantara looked like two or three years ago. So Sandy Alcantara was somebody that I really liked. I think he was drafted in the 22nd round uh, like four years ago. And he had these same kind of statistics where you're looking and you're like, man, this guy's throwing smoke and he's just got great stuff, but his strikeouts, He's just not striking people out uh, per inning. It's like once they get it together, once something clicks, and once they can figure out how to miss bats lower in the zone, uh, they become like unhittable, kind of like Sandy has been. And I think Ronzi can get there. I don't know if this is the year. He's definitely worth a spot on somebody's uh, team as a starting pitcher. Um, But I can tell you, if not this year, the next year or the next year, Ronzi Contreras will be like one of those guys that we are keeping in the second or third round. Um, he's going to be a great pitcher. Like I said, I don't know if it's going to all come together now. And if you're looking for wins, this probably isn't the guy to take uh, because the Pirates are going to be shitty offensively. Uh, but I love Ronzi. I think that he is a uh, the future of the Pirates. I think he's, you know, somebody that's either going to stay with the Pirates until they're good, or end up on the Yankees in five or six years. Yeah, I too am a big Ronzi fan. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the Pirates, <laughs> the the term of the night is frisky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're not. not shitty, they're right? really they're not. Frisky. No, I know they're bad. Dude, they are bad, hedges. But, Astro, yeah, it's so bad. G-Man but they Choi. do. Oh. I think that they have like so many of these guys that are just like they have a one of my next um sleepers we're going to talk about is like somebody they have so many of these guys that are just there. And if they 
you know, if they put it together and they, you know, grow into their, then like next year, I, I think that they, but they do have to do the right thing as an organization and pay some of these people if they, yeah. if they even show that they, you know, have the ability uh, to be everyday major leaguers. So, yeah. Um, mine is just an interesting one. Ryan Nelson is uh, the, Diamondbacks projected to be their fifth starter, which I didn't even know that when I found him. Um, I mentioned Brent Strom before. I'm a huge Brent Strom fan um, as far as what he does with pitchers. Um, also, Ryan Nelson's profile um, is just pretty cool. He's um, he's 25 this year, so not necessarily like the biggest prospect. Um, but he has pitched very well in the past um, last year in triple a he struggled um, but they're in the worst conditions for triple a pitchers um, but in the in the previous years in the minor leagues he's had over a 12k per nine um, he walks quite a few people but i think that 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 improved last year in the big leagues um, that's probably because of brent strom um, and in his um, 18 innings last year um had a 1.47 ERA. So, um, yeah, he's, he's got good stuff. He's another one like that. I mentioned that, um, on Eno's stuff plus stuff like, uh, um, stat cast he's, he's, his balls move a lot. <laughs> um, and I just, I just think that he could, and he's going to throw innings this year because the diamondbacks are just going to see what they have in him. Um, uh, if he can stay healthy through a hundred and, 50 innings last year over the two stops. So, um, he, he, you know, he, he, it's not like he's new to workload. So it's just like, this is probably not one that you need to draft at all again, but I just wanted to highlight just somebody that, um, could be, I don't think he's going to be a top five round or anything like Ronzi, but, um, next year could be, you know, somebody that you, if you drafted him or if you, I don't know, scooped him in the middle of the season that we're looking at, drafting for next year um if he if he plays out his potential um like i said it's a stretch um, but he has um potential and good pitches so so zach gallon he so merrill kelly is not somebody that i mean he's like miles michaelis like it's not somebody that i really his place he's 34 years old yeah right. you got mass and bumgarner who's probably got he's probably doesn't have a lot of the tank we know zach davies there are like three or four guys that I love for that fifth spot in the Diamondbacks rotation. Oh, I actually removed Brandon Fat. Brandon Fat, man. Yeah, I'm. I took him off and put Ryan Nelson just because I did a little bit more search. But uh, Brandon yeah, Fat's Brandon had a great probably, spring. Yeah, he's he's probably the guy to really pop. But I just. Ryan Nelson has a job right now. So right, and you're right. And Brandon Fat, Dre Jameson. Yeah, Dre Jameson's real nice too. I, I think that once they're out of this, they'll they'll just do that. They'll just maybe one of those guys you mentioned gets traded. Uh, you know, midseason somebody could use uh, Merrill Kelly or Zach Davies as Bob a easier. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But either way, like I think one of these guys gets traded and and or two of them or whatever one of them does and they just say, "Let's yeah, let's just run with Gallon, um 
Dre, Jameson, and Fat, and just see it's what happens. It's super so. exciting. It, I mean, yeah. so like Marlins esque rotation where they had Sandy and Pablo Lopez, and you know, Trevor all, Rogers had a great year that year too. That was Trevor Rogers, and you're just yeah. looking at this team, and you're like, man, they got a really good rotation. Can't really score any runs, and their their lineup kind of sucks. Just got rid of all. Of them. Right, and they just got rid of them. I mean, the Diamondbacks aren't like that. The Diamondbacks are a team that will compete and pay their guys if they need to pay them. And so it would be really exciting if you could put together like a, a rotation of four or five guys here with all the pedigree that they have. I yeah, think Corbin it's, and then Corbin Carroll and all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, it could I be mean, nice for sure. If there was like a bet for like, the Diamondbacks to win the division within the three or four years, I'd totally like throw some money down on that because I think the Diamondbacks are really headed in the right direction with Corbin Carroll and, and all these pitching prospects and, and stuff like that. Now, right now their team looks like absolute garbage. I think they have the worst bullpen in the majors. Like when we're talking, we're not going to talk about relief pitching this time. Maybe I'll have another oh, one. Relief pitching spot we can do it real right quick. but i'm just saying like deep dive into relief uh, pitching yeah. and bullpens i would love to do that i i'm so versed on this stuff i i love bullpens but um the you know the dimebacks are by far the worst and so um they're not going to be good this year but i think I, i'm really excited for the dimebacks in the future for sure yeah um relief pitching i got brad boxberger now, we just talked about one of the worst bullpens in the league, and that's Arizona. Uh, I don't think this is one of the worst because I think uh, Oakland is pretty bad, but uh, especially if they just traded A.J. Puck for some weird reason. Um, but the Cubs is probably one of the worst as well <laughs> you don't have a closer that is like clearly a closer um so it'll be fun my guy is brad boxberger so brad boxberger is somebody who has been super consistent as a setup guy for like five years Okay, for Milwaukee. Uh, last year, he had 30 holds, which I know a lot of, not a lot of people are, are prepared, you know, or, or like holds or prepared to draft holds or want to invest in holds. But Brad Boxberger has been consistent year after year after year. 2.95 ERA last year. Uh, struck out more than he – more innings pitched. Um, he had lots of holds. And there's no clear closer here so if you're talking about high leverage guys uh i think boxberger is your safest bet i think brandon hughes being the only lefty that's in a leverage position would probably be your number two there but i like brian boxberger the most um he's most tenured i know he's 34 years old but he comes in with nine years of experience i think he's a solid pick wherever you take him in in our draft cup this weekend I will stay on the Cubs, but I go the complete opposite way. Um, I think that the closer of this team by uh, beginning of May is either – I'll, I'll use two and just be quick. Adbert Alzale or this guy, Jeremiah Estrada. Um, Alzale is, you know, 
uh, I've been an Alzalea stand for the last two years. Yeah. He has the best slider in baseball still. Um, so he was a starter. I know, Um, but that, that, so his, his problem has been like the Taiwan, he has a fastball that's pretty darn good. And then a nasty slider. And it's like, they, they wanted because of his prospect status, they wanted him to be a starter and he'd been stretched out and been a starter as well. But dude, that guy could be the closer and, and just run with the two pitch thing. That's right. all you need as a closer. Like, and, yeah. and we've seen um, so much evidence that when starting pitchers go to reliever, their stuff gets even better. Like that's a known quantitative thing. Like, yeah, he was supposed to be their uh, fifth starter, I think, right around the pandemic. Yeah, so let him. But my guy is actually the other one, and uh, it's Jeremiah Estrada, who's absolutely filthy. Um, yeah. This guy's never had over. A, you have to go all the way to his A ball season, where he had over a two ERA. Granted, he hasn't pitched a ton, hmm. but like, uh, like, let's just say average. He's only pitched like thirty innings each season, but. 15 strikeout per nine, 15, 14.87, 12.6. Um, last year in his six innings in the big leagues had a 12.7 strikeout per nine. Um, he, he's control, but like that's something big league pitching coaches can help. I'm saying I can just fix a guy, but I, I don't know, man. I, I This dude ended up, uh, I think he's pitching very well in camp. Um, and I've just read a bunch of just things about how much they really like him. Um, mm-hmm. He's 24. Uh, and so maybe Boxberger's the guy for a while. And then I don't know. I, well, I he's got to make that, the team first. Yes, he is. It's another one of those guys that you can see mine aren't all draftable people. Yeah. But, um, I, I don't know. This is somebody that I just was like, I just, again, just want to talk about him. You could maybe pick him up in May or whatever when he, finally gets called up and be like like he's to me he's the camilo duvall like he just has so much stuff and like let's help him throw strikes or just tell him to pound the zone uh because your ball moves seven inches and then and and then he's the closer for the cubs you know like, so he is on their 40-man roster so eventually right, that's the other yeah eventually he will be up. I mean, this is not something that's like, well, he might not make the team and then he might fade out. Like he's going to come up. Well, that's why I was still able to choose him in this role. Cause it, right. I knew he was 40 men, but it's just, and it's a good call. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad call, but when we're talking about draft, yeah, for it's sure. really hard to invest in a no, relief don't pitcher. Draft this guy. Yeah, or some or do somebody yeah, or do but, <laughs> yeah. but it's 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 one of those things where you put uh you know we look at our baseball teams every day or most of us do we look at our fancy teams every day even if it's on the toilet once a day when you're taking your morning shit but you are looking at your team and if you have a watch list if you ha- don't utilize a watch list now i really highly suggest you if you have a watch list and you just go down and you wait for that note to light up that blue note next to their name light up red or or whatever and you click it and you say that they're calling them up that's when it's like boom i'm the first one that saw this right. because i yeah, have yeah. more 
you know, yeah. I, I've done that with a number of people where I'm like, man, this guy's really tearing it up. Or I, I really like this guy. He's not going to make the, you know, 40 man, but whenever he comes up, he's probably going to come up sometime this year. I'm going to be the first one to get him. Uh, and, you know, you snag him and they turn out to be Gunnar Henderson. Right. And they, you know, so, uh, yeah, maybe he's one of these guys that, that uh, you don't draft, but you definitely keep an eye on because, yeah, it looks like with this bullpen uh, being the way it is right now and being like, it's anybody's guess who gets the saves. It probably won't even be the same on, guys from day to day. Yeah, I think on Fangraphs they have, or on Roster Resource, they literally have five people listed as closer. Yeah, as and, closer. Uh, Al Zaleh is one of them. Boxberger is one of them. Hughes, yeah. uh, yes. <laughs> That's why I say, like, eat whether Boxberger is... Yeah, he's the guy that, he's going to have leverage innings. But yeah, I mean, whether he's closer or not, he'll get you good production in holds or saves. Yeah, so and and ratio. you can build around that. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's do one last one. Let's the do our last, NAs. Yeah. It's. It yeah. turns out we both have pirates, and we did not mean to do yeah, this. Yeah. No. Um. I have been on international prospects the whole time I play fantasy baseball. I love international prospects. I love people who come over and the idea of like, I know Brendan Fraser was a white guy in the scout, but that idea where like some scout goes to this little field in you know the caribbean a caribbean island and sees this guy throw 100 miles an hour or sees this guy hit a 500 foot home run and is like you gotta come play for the pirates or you gotta play like i love that idea i love the idea of shohei otani coming over and people just going nuts like this is a new babe ruth like that's it it fires me up and so in the last three years, international prospects have like fallen off the map. They just, they're just not showing up. Um, at least ones in their early uh, 20s. So you'll see these established guys come over from Japan, like Seiya Suzuki and whatever, but you're not seeing these Cuban guys or these Caribbean guys come over, uh, Venezuelan guys come over and be huge stars like they were, you know, 10 years prior or at least before the pandemic. Um, this guy for the Pirates is their 27th ranked uh, prospect. So it's not somebody that you – I might not even draft him this year. I just really, really – he's somebody that I'm, I, I really think is going to be good. Uh, Shailen Polanco. He's, tw- he's 18 years old. Uh, he's in rookie ball. He's super exciting. He was one of the uh, – he's the highest paid um, international prospect of that year, which I believe was 2020. Uh, and he's just, he's got all the intangibles to be like the Louis Robert, Robert plus. Um, I, you know, I, I really like him. Uh, I liked Robert. That's why I draft him in that 20th round. Uh, you know, I, I, I see a lot of Robert and what I see in Shailen Polanco. I see a lot of, uh, what I saw in Christian Robinson, uh, that who could have been the Julio Rodriguez, of this year if he didn't punch a police officer in the face and it's still it's still, visa. still hasn't yes unfortunately <laughs> but i mean that's but christian robinson was from the bahamas mm-hmm. and that's the kind of person that i want on my team somebody that's nobody's seen him play he just doesn't have the intangibles or all the 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 eyes on him and then he comes over and he explodes and then people are like wow where's this guy been all my life and I think Shailen Polanco can be that kind of person. Um, again, we take our NAs. It's it's your choice of what you do with your NAs, whether you want to 
20, 21 year old, 22 year old Jackson holiday is going to come over and probably be up within two years. Or if you want the 18 year old guy, well, who Jackson's might not... 18, but Oh, is he 18? But you yeah, still might see him by the time. He's yeah. 20. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, the guys that you know are going to be up there in the next year or two, you know, and, and there are some people who take somebody and you know, they're not going to be up for forever, but yeah. you know, they're going to be good. Nick Ludolo was mine. Yeah. I mean, how long have you had Ludolo? Three that years. Way? Three years. Yeah. I mean, you wait for a payout, but you know, they're going to be good. Um, that's the only reason why I wouldn't take Shaley Polanco because I know he's going to be great, but he might not be up until he's 21 or 22. And I don't know if I want to wait three years. Yeah, it all depends on your, your team makeup draft. Yeah. You know, like you said, we only get 12, 13, 14 picks. Right. Um, you, you know, you got one, maybe one sleeper. And, and if you want to have another NA, then you, you know, yeah. you don't want to waste it. Well, by the time on him, but you know, Shailen Polanco comes up, I could have pumped out three NAs into you know, starting players on my team, starting keepers on my team. So yeah. uh, it, it just depends on what you do. Some people are worth it. Some people yeah. you have the, to wait on. So the thing, the thing I've studied with the NAs too, like you said, we, we, we look at this stuff ad nauseum. So yeah, in my finding is that there's usually the top guy, right? That's kind of a consensus and it's usually the first round or the first pick. But, but mm-hmm. most of these people that pop and are just generational are – and everybody has their own way of identifying these things, but are not that, like, you know. I mean, the one ones, like I said, the one ones do really well. Yes, one, the bright stars of the world. Yes, but, but for the most part, it's like like your international prospects that – like if you go to the the top prospects by Fangraphs right now, it's it's not a bunch of one ones or one two. I mean, there's obviously, um, you know, they're gonna put Jackson Holiday up there just because. But it's a lot of um, international signings. It's a lot mm-hmm. of um, people that um, hit the ground running, and and it's not like just like because a lot of times the one one is 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 or one, two, let's just say one, two is like kind of a boring, like, you know, the Mark Appels, like where you're like, okay, his floor should be Henry be Davis. Yeah. Like, like, I so don't the know guy why he's being talk kept about either, is actually but... way better than Henry Davis, but, um, and on the yeah. same team. Yeah. Um, but just like, I don't know, something that I've noticed about, uh, about prospects is like, we know that they're, they're, it's not linear how they grow. So, um, you can get, the top one and take them like I'm sure Jackson holiday and he should go, go pretty early in our draft, but the rest of them are like Jackson Churio is a Venezuelan Ellie de la Cruz is a Dominican Republic player. Like mm-hmm. Yuri Perez, Dominican. Um, it's just like Jordan Walker was not drafted. I don't think. Real high. I don't think he was like a, he was the 21st pick overall. So like, even that's like, yeah, you know these guys. I mean, Mike Trout was thirteen, on. right? So, anyways, I, yeah. To to go off Hugs point, like a lot of these international, Luis Robert, like uh, you know, everyone has Marco uh, Luciano still high in their ranks. Like they kind of pop. So if you don't get to Jackson Holiday in the fifth round or whatever happens this year, like 
try try to look for these guys. Try to look for look at their profiles. Look at what the scouts say um, about the and and the Dominican league is well respected. So if this guy just goes over there and hits 30, 30, you know, or hits 30 home runs, steals 30 bases in the Dominican league, like probably pretty good. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, my guy is, uh, Indy Rodriguez, the best catcher in the pirates organization. Um, <laughs> this dude, I mean, like if you're looking for, I- I've missed on so many prospect catchers. It's not even funny. It's just something that I'm going to continue to do. Hey, Joey Barkin. Yeah, yeah, he actually, yeah, he looks good in the spring. So <laughs> uh, he might hit like nine home runs or something. Yeah. Uh, but Indy is a totally different player. Uh, he has hit three, almost 300. 293 is the lowest, like at every stop in the minors. Um, he's 22 years old. He has the coolest defensive. He's kind of like the MJ Melendez, like he has catcher. I don't know if he has this in Yahoo, but he's played catcher, second base, and outfield. Um, he you has catcher right now, so right you now. need to. Yeah, well, and I'm sure he wouldn't in the major leagues, but the pos- right. you know, just the fact that maybe he's a he's an athletic player, and if they need him at second base, they could play him at second base. Mm-hmm. Um, Four thirty, just on base percentage over the last. Three years, 435, 442, 392. Like, and these are full, not full seasons, but full minor league seasons. Like, uh, this guy to me is, is, is highest strikeout rate was in 2022 in A ball, 20%. I like, I, I just see them being, you know, a couple weeks into the season and just being like, all right, now we yeah. need to see once we trade Reynolds or maybe way before that. We need to see these players, and they just put O'Neill Cruz, and that's like honestly, if you're gonna suck, just do that. Like, yep. Give I, I would watch Pirates games if they just fielded a lineup of O'Neill Cruz and Key Brian and Rodolfo Castro and um, Cal Mitchell and you know right. Ed. Like, just do that, and let's see what you got and. Yeah, and uh, you can play Indy. You know, if you're afraid of blocking Henry Davis eventually when he comes up, you can play Indy at a bunch of different positions. It could be like a Salvador Perez, MJ Melendez type thing where you have people playing different positions, and that's those catchers get me so excited. Those athletic catchers that we've talked about that can steal bases, that can play lots of different positions. This is why I spend up on Dalton Varsho so much. I mean, God, if you have no idea how much I offer for JT Real Muto and tried to pry him off Ethan's hands last year. I mean, there was just, it was just stupid amount of stuff and he didn't want to budge on him. But um, I mean, yeah, I agree. It's people like Indy, they get me super excited. It's a really good player. He's the number two prospect in the pirate system. And I think he's number 85 overall. Yeah. I know he's in the top 100, but right. Far down there. So I, I'm, but, Pretty sure you're going to see him this season. Yeah, because you look like you said, Hedges, and then their their bench catcher right now is Kevin Plowecki. Like, yep. let's just stop that. And and Hedges can't. <laughs> I mean, neither can Kevin Plowecki. So right, uh, I was just whatever. Give give this kid. You know, maybe he needs to figure out some more stuff about calling a game or something. But then, like, just let him play. Like, 
Right. Uh, I mean, there could be, and we don't really know, and I'm not going to get into this because it is 11 o'clock, but the Pirates may just want to lose. That just may be the thing. We just yeah. want to lose some more. Yeah. Um. And and this isn't our time to go out there and win. And maybe when you have these prospects, they have a lot of good people coming up, Nick Gonzalez and and you know people like that. Maybe when they come up, then you can start to uh, put together a competitive team. I mean, God, they signed Rich Hill and they had some kind of hype video for Rich Hill. I mean, it's just really yeah, sad. sad that the Pirates are gonna what the Pirates are gonna field this year you know, along with the Oakland A's, along with, you know, the the Diamondbacks for a certain sense. Um, it's just not a great product. So, um, yeah, hopefully we see. I, I'm confident that we will see Indy this year. And this is, unlike maybe Jeremiah Stride, uh, Estrada or Ryan Nelson, your, your pitchers, this is somebody that you very well could draft. And it's somebody that you could see product out of before the season's done. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I like Indy. one last thing I would say about Indy too is, you know, another, I know you said he's 85 on the top 100. Um, there's some other, I give everything away. But most people probably know this, but there's some other uh, prospect pages out there. Um, and they've come up with a um, future value number. Um, and it uses the scouting numbers, you know, the 20 to yeah. 80 grade. Right, it's 55 um, power, 55 yeah, run. But they do it also over well just as future value. So they use the same grading scale, but attribute it to their whole future value as far as, you know, like war or WRC plus or something. So the, the best being 80, and they attribute that to like a top five player overall, like your Acuna, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, you don't see really anything over a 65. Um, but there's a few 70s out there. Well, right now Unless he has insane. a he has a 55 um, future value, which would be a three war player and a um, all star. Uh, yeah. So that's that's the kind of thing. Like you know, I, I once made the mistake of drafting uh, Drew Waters um, before <laughs> I knew a lot of this stuff, and um, I think I drafted Drew Waters. I think I did it three or four years ago. And then maybe you, I think I did it. I had him as a 20th pick and didn't keep him last year because, and the reason he's a defensive I, player, he's a defensive player, but he, uh, led the PCL or wherever he was in triples. Yeah. Well, and I said, so, I like, <laughs> he can steal, he can run, he can hit triples. Yeah. This is the kind of guy I want. And he never made it up because he got Michael Harris and Acuna and all those people. Well, and he can't hit like really. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he went to Kansas City. So he can't hit. This Dodge is just a there. tool I look at because a lot of times, like these top picks, like I think even Drew Jones might be one of them. Um, I haven't really studied Drew Jones, but he's 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 a second overall pick because his floor is great and he's an outstanding outfielder, right? And that's not really somebody I want in fantasy. Um, well, you, you haven't seen him play. He's no, I know, but I'm just saying I, I'm, I'm using like just that's what my Drew Waters, you know, like yes. I drafted Drew Waters because he was a top 20 prospect. Right. Yes. And then the more I studied, you know, all these future values and hitting and scouting and all this stuff, I realized that always oh, he's, he's that he's a top 10 prospect because he's really good at defense. Yes. So that doesn't do me any good in fantasy. So oh, yeah, you that's why I go... love this the scouting sales because like 
if you see somebody that has a 60 future value all-star, it's, it's more of an offensive based. It's not just like, Oh, he's really good at second base. Like, I don't care. <laughs> and, and, and I totally agree. And I think you overestimate the amount of people in our league who, uh, really give a shit about 18 to 21 year olds. Um, they, there's, yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like there's a, that's a huge gap in the people that make the playoffs and don't make the playoffs is the people that go out there and really look at who's going to be good in the next couple of years. And like you just said, you know, it, it it's, there are people who during the draft will bring up the top one to a hundred list yeah, and say, sure. Hey, I want to get the next one in line. Let me get the next one in line. And uh, a lot of times it's a pitcher. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. no, you don't want this guy. He's going to uh, have Tommy John um, yeah. and, and you're going to drop him. Well, that's but, why I say it. Cause I, I want, I, you know, obviously I want to be the best in this league, but it, it would be awesome for all of us just to be like, taking these prospects and like because we know everybody's on the same level as far as knowing like all right drew jones is more of an and i don't even know this about drew jones but he's more of a you know defensive specialist so i don't need him like i don't know well, it would just be so i just want people the na's are really fun because you have no idea right you know where some of these people will be taken um it could be anywhere. I, I think the top prospect that we've taken in the last five or six years. Now, when I say prospect, somebody that hasn't made it to the major leagues yet was Torkelson taken. I took him in the fifth, fifth yeah. like three years ago. And so will you have somebody that says, Hey, I really want somebody in the fourth. Well, I really want somebody in the third. Will you have somebody say, I really want somebody in the fifth. Uh, If you really like somebody, it'll be good value. Um, But, but yeah, it's super interesting to see because, um, you know, I think Bryce Harper hadn't played much baseball when he was taken in seventh Uh, back, back at when, when Brad took him. So um it's interesting. It's fun. And we'll see in like four days. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, guys, we, we you've listened to us talk enough. <laughs> you're probably on your drive to the draft right now. You're right. probably stopping at a Bucky's or something like that. So um, good luck. We'll see you guys this weekend. Anything else before we go, Trevor? No, man, that was great. I, I got everything off my chest. Uh, cool. Actually I could do it all day, but uh, yeah. yeah, no, I look forward to seeing everybody and uh, and drinking some brewskis and having a good time. Absolutely. All right, guys, we will see you guys this weekend. Thanks for listening. See you. See you.